welcome to our fun things fun. Welcome. Today, we're doing the seasonal recap. Ooh. It's that time of the year. It's that time of the month. That time of the quarter. It's that quarter of the year. <laughs> that and half, that quarter. Half of the year. The to- top of the year to you. Mm. Um, and it's the fall. Fall is starting. That's <laughs> what we're here to say. Basically, I don't know if you guys know about this, but every every three months, mm-hmm. that's four of them in a year. There's a different season in real right. life, but more importantly, in a Japanese television schedule. Okay. Um, so we're here to talk about things that we have just finished watching yeah. that were happening in real time. Yep. And what we thought about them. Yeah. Uh, and we might also, after that, go on to discuss what's also actually now airing, because it's actually now fall and not summer anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll actually get to what this podcast is about and let you know what the real season that matters is. The season that's actually twice a year which is when AFTF Season 2 wraps up, and we tell you what's worth watching and what's not. Uh, That's right. The 12 shows that we Our watched. personal and collated group rankings. Exactly. Of the last 12 shows we've, we've seen. And and also Mailbag. And we, oh, and we also have the Mailbag, which everyone loves. Oh, everyone loves asking Mailbag questions. Yeah, well, do you love hearing them? I bet you do. <laughs> um, okay. Um, okay, so last season... I feel like this was a weird one because there was uh, yeah. a lot of stuff that seemed neat. Mm. And I think there's a lot of stuff with varying levels of intrigue. Mm-hmm. And varying levels of hype. Mm-hmm. I think we came out the other end with some really mixed results. I I think so. I think this is... I think this is certainly the worst season that I have properly engaged with and not just forgotten about halfway through because of life stuff um, in since I have been following seasonals again. Uh, which admittedly is only like about two years. Uh, I don't think it was dire and the ways in which it was bad aren't necessarily the ways you'd expect a season to be bad, but oh, it was... It, it was a season of eights at best. I would say. Unless I, I, I think I agree with that, but I have one like, I have one strong 8.5 to 9 that I do want to talk about as I, well. I also have one of those. Maybe it'll be the same show. Uh, Might be the same show. Might be the same show. Definitely two strong 8s, and that is absolutely what we're capping out here. Yes. Um, um, and there's also uh, a show that we will be talking about extensively uh, at the end of the section, uh, Lacrosse Recoil. But before yeah, we get so onto if that, you're waiting to hear our thoughts on that, uh, which, oh, I know you are. Oh, I know you are. I know I am. Um, I know, I know me am also. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, and I guess let's start with, since, uh, we've got kind of the, I guess the brain capacity of children right now. Mal, <laughs> did you watch yep. slash finish Tokyo Mew Mew New? Okay. I tried really hard to stay engaged with Tokyo Mew Mew New. Okay. I thought that parts of the first four episodes were really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And then I fell off. That's, um... I, it's kind of fair. I would say Tokyo Mimi New is... It's an interesting show. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had a good bit of fun with it. Um, but while I think Sailor Moon Crystal is unironically good and unironically really strong and should be watched by more formal people, Tokyo Mimi New is, is janky. I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, look kind of janky. Kinda, kinda janky, kinda. I mean, I don't really mind it being kinda cheap because you know we've watched Peak here. We know what these yeah. shows are like. Um, but so I don't know if it's like one of those cases where it's like a more accurate reboot to the manga or whatnot. 
Um, I, I'm not super familiar with Tokyo Mew Mew. I didn't watch any of it growing up. All I knew is uh, I know a lot of people who are fucking insane about the wolf girl. Uh, and that checks out. That bit makes sense. Um, did you did you actually even get up to the stuff with, with Zekiro? I got to like her reveal and I was <laughs> like, wow, this bitch is kind of insane. And I have to respect that. Um, and then I, I'm going to be real with you. I yep. think if I wasn't enjoying the current Precure so much, I definitely would have been more incentivized to stick with it. But. You're... But it was just that that spot in my heart was already occupied this season by the continued success of the food-based Precure. Very fair. Yeah. Um, which I, I'll just briefly mention. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still watching it. It's staying good. They've gotten to their big power-up moment, and the plot okay. has continued rolling apace. And, uh, yeah, the filler is also getting to be pretty hype as well. The, like, the filler episodes are consistently very funny, so I'm, I'm pleased with it. Still, re still a recommended precure. Uh, nothing weird has happened yet, and then we're gonna get the final arc <laughs> soon. So that's my precure interlude. Continue on uh, Mew Mew. Uh, genuine question is: Okay, is the Chinese coded girl in the new precure actually Chinese? I've heard. It's okay, so it's ambiguous only because her family runs a Chinese restaurant, mm -hmm. and uh, so okay, they a little tangent here. The this precure series takes place in Oishina town. Okay. Uh, and there's three distinct neighborhoods to Oishina Town. There's the Japanese Quarter, there's the European Quarter, and there's mm -hmm. the Chinese Quarter. Okay. Um, and the three main precures are one from each quarter. Um, and so the Chinese precure girl, her family owns and operates a Chinese restaurant in the in Chinatown. But it's not a hundred percent clear if they are themselves Chinese or just you know savvy, savvy restaurateurs. Although I will say, her family's her she and her siblings are named Ran, Rin, and Run. So if this influences your choice on whether or not she's actually Chinese, let me know. It's, it's like it's really vague China coding. It's how I put it. <laughs> I, oh, I would not say it's vague China coding. I think it's okay. ambiguous if she is or is not herself. But like, but but like, they have a blender. They have the precure, um, the magical blender for their yeah, final move. Of course. And they they pump the top of the blender, and it plays a little song. And the main girl, it's like the and then for like the European girl, it's like a little sort of guitar rick lick because she's spicy. She's cure spicy. Okay. And then when it comes to cure <laughs> yum yum, which is the Chinese one, it plays the fucking like and it's like it's like um. the oriental tune <laughs> so it's not that ambiguous it's just not clear if she's actually chinese or not i would maintain that she is and i would be happy to hear any arguments um regarding the you know for or against this uh stance of mine very fair uh i would say my enjoyment of the show is unhampered by her her by the truth or not but <laughs> Whether or not she is actually Chinese. Can we move on, please? Okay. Uh, Tokyo Mew 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 uh, also has a Chinese girl. Um, let's go. Let's go. Uh, Tokyo Mew Mew also has a girl called Lettuce. Um, yeah, she's very cool. Lettuce is, Lettuce cool. is Lettuce. cool. Lettuce is cool. Lettuce is like one of those characters where you're like, she's so cool, but you don't know why she's cool. Like, she's kind of lame, but she's so cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tokyo Mew, Tokyo Mew Mew Mew. It's like the opposite of a Celador phrase. It's actually a pain in the fucking ass to say. Um, isn't he... I think it's fun. Um, I think you have to go in, especially in the second half. Um, if, if you're, it kind of, I will say the male, the main male love interest in the show is a psychopath, to a degree that is like intriguing. Um, Do you mean the high schooler or like one of the guys from the van? Um, oh, 
No, I should the... not really say it like that. No, but... you should. No, you should because one of the guys in the van is the one who injected them with DNA and then turned them into quote unquote yeah, that's, from the show. That's like a biological like, super a... weapons. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad move. I I don't think that women would like that often. Um, um no, I mean the 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 boy uh uh oh oh fuck what was his name um the guy Martin Mystery Martin yeah. Mystery yeah Martin Mystery <laughs> who is uh, Martin Mystery I I think he's he's a psychopath. Did you get up to the collar episode? Did you get up to the episode? I watched four episodes. The <laughs> collar episode was pretty good. The collar yeah. lie. The collar episode is, um, there's a moment where he says to the main girl, I'm gonna give you a collar which has a bell on it so I can always tell when you're nearby. And it's treated just, like, entirely unironically and romantically. I'm just like, oh, this is... It is more romantic than injecting her with uh, DNA of endangered <laughs> species. It is, but I think also probably that uh, Quiche is the best of the boys because he's the one who's meant to be, like, a dirtbag on purpose. That's true, that's true. <laughs> Oh, but he is, he is pretty unpleasant. Um, so, yeah, Tokyo Mew Mew Mew, a lot of fun. I would not show my daughter this. I'm not going to be honest. I'm, I think <laughs> there's... I, I don't know. I would not let her... I find her watching Precure. Totally, certainly fine with her watching Aikatsu. But this show, I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, that makes sense, honestly. Yeah. If, you know, questionable, uh, questionable value of life lessons available. <laughs> Um, for those in the shoujo manga <laughs> persuasion. That being said, I do think it is interesting seeing um, a Maho shoujo with such a strong shoujo bent. Mm. Um, just because I think that that has sort of fallen by the wayside as Precure has evolved into more and more of its own flashy sort of like, you know, actiony, goofy thing. Yeah. So it was very re- it was refreshing in that regard. But like I said, it was not engaging enough for me to uh, stick with it. So it, it, you know your mileage may vary. That's fair enough. I think I think if you're a jank appreciator like me, there'll be more to keep me coming back. But um, Aoyama, that's the name of Martin Mystery. Um, Aoyama. If, yes. If you yeah, can't yeah. put up with, and I, and I think maybe for this podcast is relevant, if you can't put up with truly awful male love interests, you might want to give this a skip. For me, they're so funny; it makes the show work. But uh, yeah. Okay, um, kind of hard to know what to uh, segue off that mouth. I started with the show. What's your next pick? Uh, okay, well, here's my next pick. Mm-hmm. We're going to go from uh, a group of girls who are doing magic stuff to save the world to mm-hmm. a group of girls who are doing magic stuff to sing songs to help heal the world. That's right. No, it's not Healer Girl. <laughs> um, it's Luminous Witches. Ah, yes. Which I... This is one of the shows that I finished from this nice. season. Very nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm still watching it. I like Luminous Witches quite a bit. That's fair. I I think Luminous Witches is cool. Um, I'm I'm 9 out of 12 episodes mm-hmm. in. That's right. And it's my fault that we haven't finished... That you have not finished it. <laughs> Sing along those um, lines. So that's my bad. That's my bad. Um, I... Yeah, I think it's it's cool. Um, I I enjoy it. I think it it continues the things that I really liked about Brave Witches in terms of it's like it's paying a lot of attention to the world which the characters inhabit and world building. That's both kind of an on purpose period piece, but also quite linked to these kind of like fantasy, it's almost science fantasy at this point elements that are cool. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. The production values are a bit weak, and I, I think, think the that, a bit unfocused. 
they spike. There's some parts that are really uh, mm. tight, and there's a lot of parts that are just like uh, they're they're saving some money here. Um, worth noting, this is uh, one of Shaft's two productions this season. The mm -hmm. other one being um, the Ruby, Ruby. Uh, Ice Queendom. Um, and man, we can talk about Ruby in a second. Um, but yeah, I think that Lumis which has got the slightly shorter end of that stick in terms of uh, what they were focusing on this year. So, I would say, okay, I was looking at some bullshit on ANN yesterday and scrolled down the side and what what did I find? I'll tell you what I found. I what found an mean? article that said, Love Live, Sun Love Live Superstar, is it the best Love Live yet? And I think the answer is no. I think the best Love Live yet is probably Luminous Witches, is sort of my <laughs> review of this. I, I, you know what? I, yeah, kind of. Like, for all of Luminous Witches' faults, it's... It, it does have a lot of the love life flaws is i think why it's kind of interesting it does yeah i think it has a lot of the same um the same traps that a lot of uh, large cast idol shows post love life have fallen into mm -hmm. a little uh, simultaneously too much and not enough character focus on individuals mm -hmm. where there'll be episodes devoted to one of the nine girls and you're yep. looking at it and you're like this is kind of fun and then it pans out and then she sort of just uh fades back into the eight yeah. as another one of the nine is pulled forward. And I think that that can, you know, work or not work, depending on how much you personally find those characters engaging or interesting. Yeah. I thought this is a pretty decent cast with very mm -hmm. few misses in general, um, which, you know, contrasts with Love Lives First Season. Uh, you got a couple of misses in Love Lives First Season for character-focused <laughs> stuff, so I thought that this was pretty solid. Uh, I also am a huge Strike Witches fan going back a lot of years, so getting a little bit more depth on that was pretty fun. There's a couple moments for the Strike heads out there, like me, w you will appreciate a couple of the tie-ins to the larger franchise that occur. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of pogtacular moments in terms of like, OMG, that was when that happened, and how it um, becomes relevant in Luminous Witches. I thought that was pretty cool. So a couple of nice little things like that, you know, a little bit of fan service, not it, not even in the traditional sense of that word, just like, um, I was going to say in the Strike Witches sense, but that that, that no. is the traditional sense. <laughs> it's fan service, and like, if you paid attention to Strike Witches and you like those shows, you will notice the callbacks, and they'll be pretty entertaining, so. Yeah, even yeah. as like a more casual fan, like, I think a lot of the ways it tied things together and brought back things in mythology, like the Night Witches and certain people's families, I thought that was cool. I, I feel... Luminous Witches is is neat, and I think if you're really into Straight Witches, this is this is like a much better version of like the Gundam OVA series they make that expand about shit you do not care from the One Year War. This is like that, but good. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so I think it's cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the conclusion because uh, the characters I think I'm most interested in seem to be getting their moments right at the end, um, and I think it still has it has a lot of charm and appeal. Um, I, I think I think Luminous Witches is in that category of a show that I wish was slightly better, but I think for witch heads, especially those who have not had a new mainline TV series since Brave Witches at this point, right? Um, this this might be a bit more special. No, this is the this is the mainline. This is a mainline series. They're one of the named units. Yeah. So yeah. Because before that, it's Brave. I guess in the middle there was the comedy ones, but even you don't seem to have seen all the comedy ones. <laughs> When you, uh, are you, uh, the comedy ones? Yeah, the, the I, ha off. I have missed those. Yeah. Take yeah, 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 okay. Um, well, you know, we'll get, we'll get the, we'll get there eventually. We'll get but, there eventually. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, Luna Switches is cool. Uh, don't jump into it if you haven't seen other Strike Witches. I, th I think that is safe to say. 
I don't know. I mean, like, I think that if you are not familiar with Strike Witches, this is the least alienating of the Strike Witches shows oh, because Brave, there's another Brave angle. Witches is, is least alienating. Well, I would say that Brave Witches still has uh, the the weird etchy stuff going on to a certain extent mm. that could be a turnoff for some people. I would say in, yeah. in a lot of ways, this is the most accessible Strike Witches because this... it is about idols. Yeah, this this definitely has the the least etchy. Aside from one moment where it's like, one really weird cheesecake bit that feels so out of place with the rest of the series. Well, you, you gotta have one of those. It's yes, classic. I, I suppose you do. It is, stri- it is Strike Witches. You can't you can't ignore that. Um, yeah. This is and... not a podcast. We're not going to devote an hour to complaining about why that moment is is wrong or what how to fix it. No, no. Um, I think that that podcast is the opposite. They're the ones who like call Toronoana the world's biggest hentai store. I think. Well. We're, I wish we're I had beefing. A, a room temperature IQ. That'd we're, be so fun. We're fucking beefing with other. We're not really. Anyway, uh. <laughs> and we're yeah. beefing with the podcast that I bleep out every time because I genuinely don't want any of their fans <laughs> to find our show. <laughs> we'll, we'll never get the Mori anyway. Kaliope guest star. Um. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Moving on from White Eminem. Um. So Luminous Witches. You know, I thought it was pretty good. Another mileage may vary show. I am a super fan of the franchise. I like them unconditionally, even when they're very stupid. This is a solid 7 out of 10 for me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all I can really say in terms of endorsement. Um, if you care about the cool dog fighting stuff, there is literally none of that in this. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Strike Witches fan looking for more of that, you should look elsewhere. Um, maybe go rewatch the Victory Arrow um, OVAs or something like that. Um, yeah, that was, uh, Luminous Witches. Any other idol stuff this season, Ronka? I didn't finish it in the end. I'm, I'm like, still eight episodes in. Um, yeah. no, no, you are. I, you just... I, I finished I Can't See Stars. That show's really good. Um, Holy I, shit. True. I, I hadn't, uh, I'd left the last four episodes. I hadn't watched, it had been four years since, because like, it has kind of, like, an epilogue final arc, and I just put them aside, and I kept, kept on forgetting to watch them. Watched them, uh, last week. Uh, cried just basically non-stop for two hours. Uh, Damn! Uh, Let's I go. Can't see stars. It's, I can't see stars. Season two might be the best part. I can I know. I know. I wow. know. Wow! It's happened. It's oh happened. my god! It's Another happened. person has said this to me, and now I have to watch I can't see stars. <laughs> it's worth it. Um, what's not particularly worth it is Love Life Superstar. I know it's fine. I I wah, think wah, wah, wah. it's fine. I I mean, okay, Mallory. Uh, should full end. disclosure: I did not even start this season of Love Live because when I saw on their Twitter that they were going to add four more girls and make it a group hey. of nine, I got so mad that I did not, uh, I did not watch it or um, trick Iris into watching it with me. So it did not happen this hey, season. Hey, so Mallory, I have no input on Love Live Superstar season two. They've announced the season three. Wow, let's there's, go. There's going to be at least one you go. Huge. Wait, another one? Yeah. Ten? At least. They've, they've, there's public auditions for one, and they might already have had private auditions for other members. Um, wow. So so cool. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I'd... would you agree or disagree with the ANN article that says it might be the best love live yet? Um, I'll have to... It is the first one to get a third season. That's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I do think Superstar is, like, probably the most, like, rounded love live, and where, like my misgivings are uh, well pretty loop a bit badness in like where my, my misgivings of the show are kind of <sighs> while i don't think necessarily a show uh, we should judge shows separately from fandoms but when series are necessarily trying to cultivate a certain reaction from the audience i do think we have to question why are they trying to cultivate that reaction etc etc um 
what I'm basically saying is that um, I think fusing Samiri and Keke into like one Gogeta style life form for the entire series makes me fucking ill and I fucking hate it. Uh, it ruins uh, both yeah? of their characters and the point where I, one of the episodes I haven't seen yet I know is a super focused episode in them where people are like this is one of the most romantic episodes of Love Live ever and my friend who watches oh, wow. Love Live with me I'm going I, I know I, I know you don't like it when I pretend to be okay with things but I'm just I'm just going to check out the episode because I don't want to be rude about Love Live unnecessarily and, and I don't think Superstar deserves being rude about unnecessarily because I think it has a lot of good bits I think the the jelly aspects and the I think a lot of the new girls this season are quite fun um but uh, I don't know but, uh, watching Ice Stars in the middle of watching Superstar is just like oh man I guess it's better than Love Life <laughs> yeah I mean that's that's been true for a hot minute it's been true for let's a hot be minute. honest about that okay that's left about that uh your pick Okay, my pick. Um, I mentioned this briefly during the Luminous Witches talk, so we'll circle uh -huh. back to it. Um, another show that I victoriously dropped this season is Ruby Hyo Setsu Te Koku. Uh, uh, Ice Queendom uh, is the localization. It's a pretty good title. I do like Ice Queendom. The title's good. The title's good. Uh, what's not as good is um, I, the much of the show. Mm. I got about halfway through, mm -hmm. and I found myself with this weird... Um, abyss-like aching uh, in my in the pit of my gut watching the show where I was like, mm. it's Shaft. It looks pretty good. They've put a lot of work into this. It's got a lot of attention. They got the big name voice actors. What's missing? What is the thing that is missing from this? I think we have and I, you, <laughs> fuck it, we th this argument between me and Ronka has been cooking up for like fucking four <laughs> months now. So you guys are gonna get real get up for a fucking treat right now, but. I went back and I watched original Rooster Teeth's Ruby mm -hmm. um, on purpose because this show was like, I need to figure out what's going on here. I need to figure out what changed in an adaptation to mm -hmm. understand why this feels so unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. Ronka, have you seen any original Ruby? I have seen seasons one and two original Ruby. Okay. All right. Okay. I have seen seasons one and about half season two. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I think I can... I, I haven't watched a lot of Ruby since this initial uh, bout where I was, like, overcome with the sense of com comparing it to Teikoku. Mm -hmm. But I really, truly think that, like, you lose a lot of stuff in translation to a clean, Shaft-produced anime when the original product was so, like, yes, highly amateur, pretty slapdash, obnoxious voice acting... But when all of it forms a cohesive whole, I think it did more for me than mm. watching the outstandingly polished and kind of soulless and, like, there's, like, it had no humor to it, but Ruby is something that looks so goofy that it needs to have that humor to it. So the original show, for all of its flaws, retains a sense of jokiness that I think carries it in mm. a pretty substantial way. Yes, there's that guy, Gene, who is insufferable. Many people have told me about him. And obviously, that is the most striking part of, like, ah, uh, yes, this, uh, the, the show Ruby is not solely the brainchild of Montium. Hime Joshi, or Hime Danshi at large, and rest in peace, a great, great man. Um, his vision did not get to see to fruition because he had to work with other people who did not understand shows that weren't Dragon Ball Z. 
And I think that that's where you get that, that dissonance in original Ruby. And then when you flatten all that down, you filter it through Shaft and you sort of remove both of those essences and you make it a very polished show, I think you lose even more. And so this is my opinion about um, uh, Ruby Ice Queendom is that I thought it was exceptionally bland, even though it was very well animated. Mm-hmm. I also hate the voice casting. Oh, interesting. I think Hayamine is a terrible pick for Ruby. Okay. Terrible. I like her I, I, a lot. I can see what you mean. I, I think it's also one of those things like when Hayamine was originally, you know, uh, cast, because like Ruby's Japanese dub is like, has been going on since like the early 2010s. Because Ruby has like a cult following in Japan. Um, right. And I think has Hayamine been the voice for her? I believe so. I believe it's all, they've always kept the same, always kept the same uh, voice cast. That's shocking to me because I really don't like her as Ruby a lot. That's that. Uh, you know, I'll I will quickly check, but I am ninety percent sure they've always kept the same. Uh, okay. Well, then respect for consistency. But yeah, I'm pretty blown away by that because I ju- I think it changes her character so much. Mm-hmm. I um, I do agree. She should be. She should have a more hyper sort of voice actor. Yeah, she needs to be a bit more hyper. Like I, for better or for worse, the English voice actress for Ruby, I I haven't looked it up, and I'm sorry, but you do a good job because I think that you are able to inject it with that goofiness and that consistent sense of humor that, like I said, really does a lot to carry the show, um, and keep it from becoming too self serious while also letting it indulge in like this ridiculous shonen bullshit that like I really do want the show to indulge in. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a tomboyishness to her naivety in the English show that I think adds a lot to her character as well. Mm-hmm. And then when you sort of strip that down for Hayamine giving her like best completely clueless naive girl thing, but she still is Hayamine, so she still sounds like she's 35, like in the <laughs> sexiest way possible. It doesn't work for me at all. I I think you're right. I, I do think it's one of those things where we, we have to... This is one of those, I think, rare cases where... Often what gets, I think this, so here's the thing. I've actually, I'm not actually necessarily being polite. I think you have a point. Uh, okay. I That's have, huge. We, yeah. We've made huge progress. Really <laughs> I think you have a point. It's, I'm going to say this in a very, very neggy way, because I believe this is a very, very neggy way. Um, Go. Ruby is bad, is the thing. Yep. It's it's a amateurly told story that's not very good that has am I, I people quite like Montume's action stuff it doesn't do it for me but I can kind of see what the charm is I think it looks again kind of bad mostly because the engine they're producing it in I think like the dead fantasy stuff looks a bit better but bless, bless, dead bless. fantasy literally does look better I do agree okay. with that uh, but I, I think it's there is a certain charm to its amateurishness when it's so obviously falling apart at the seams at which point you can go, uh, you know what, some of this writing is kind of cruddy, but you know what, at least people know how to write. It's it's cute that it exists. I think it's baffling it became as popular as it is, and I think it is, like, when people, like, try to tell me Ruby is legitimately good rather than just, like, this is my my dumb comfort food, I am shocked. But I would say Ice Queendom has... It's funny to say that humor thing, because I did actually go back and rewatch the start of Ruby, because I was like, oh, some of this is different. I know some of this is adapted from those, like, prequel trailers they did. Um, and they actually insert more jokes into Ice Queendom in, like, the background, in, like, very... I don't know if the references to things later on in Ruby, like, when they're in the interrogation room, um, and Ruby's getting interrogated by... <sighs> Ozark? Ozpin? That guy. Um... 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the original one, it's just like a, a straightforward interrogation room. But then in the anime, they like add in like Captain Crunch's Crunchy Crunch cereal on the table. Um, which is like, that, that seemed like so obnoxious. Like, right, this has to be from the original. And like, it's not there. So I think they really tried to give it the energy of the original. But the problem is, is that if you want to watch an actual like action anime, there's loads of like really good ones with really good writing and like more appropriate voice casting and like an original vision that can only be conveyed through the medium it's been in. I don't see what the point is of upscaling Ruby to a better medium when what kind of gives it its past and its charm is that it has this kind of oh it was kind of made by like people who didn't know what they were doing thing and that's like they've got a lot of people who know what they're doing adapting a work that didn't know what it's doing but not doing anything to like play with that or even like respect and expand it i like the episodes i watched it was like this is pretty much beat for beat with a few things switched around and the problem is that the actual core of ruby just isn't that exciting when you remove it from its cultural context which it came out in yeah i like for all that i did end up enjoying what i see when i saw the original i have to completely agree with all that where like yeah it is a product of its environment in a way that is entertaining but is also like limiting mm. to its overall scope um by the same by the same mechanic that makes it interesting as well um yeah. so that's all completely fair and i i genuinely agree with that i think you know, as Marshall McLuhan said, the medium is the message. Mm. <laughs> and I think that that speaks really strongly to how um, the context of Ruby changes when you upscale it and upbudget it and you give it to extremely talented Shaft animators who did a great job making things look good. Um, but I think part of what makes Monty Um's action um, like lens and direction so interesting mm -hmm. is that it is it moves strangely, but in a way that is familiar to me as a fighting game player. It feels very cozy, like it feels yeah. very familiar in that regard. That's, it's like it's the exact fun. midpoint between like stick figure Newgrounds animations and like Guilty Gear combos. <laughs> And, like, that's great. Like, I love that. I also think he's able to incorporate creative ideas mm -hmm. in how things move and where they move and what sort of, like, parts of the environment he's incorporating into various scenes. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's genuinely fresh vision that he deserved to live um, a million years longer and get, like, a million dollars more budget and yeah. a talented team with good writers and just, like, have that stuff go off. Yeah. Like, that is, that is the loss of... That is what we lost when he passed away. Um, how that how, shit is crazy to me. How how does how far does the anime get into um, the stuff? Like, does it actually like go into any of season two? I know it has like a semi. -anime it's not clear line. to me because it's of how different the plot is right off the rip. Like all of the dream stuff is like original to the anime. Okay. Like all of it, they inserted a new character. Basically, okay, so I talked to some hardcore fans of mine who've been following Ruby for a long, long time, mm -hmm. and, like, they've seen, like, the whole show, and right. they're like, yeah, there's some seasons that are bad, but there's a lot of good seasons, too. A couple a couple different people, um, and their take on um, Ice Queendom from what they saw of it was they were like, I don't know why they made Weiss more racist, even if the dream stuff was kind of cool as an idea. And it was like, really? What? And then, yeah, so the whole entire point of this season is that what if Weiss was more racist against animal people? Um, and it made her so mentally ill that she developed a virus that makes her go to sleep forever and, like, retreat into her brain palace. 
and then the girls have to go into her brain palace and free her. And all of that is anime original and has nothing cool. to do with no. anything okay. from original. No, no, now I maybe need to watch this. Sounds like that makes sense with who wrote it. The writer is uh, Toe Bakata, who is a very strange high concept science fiction writer. Uh, like that part seems cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that there, there's no direct comparison with the original in that because it's all it's all anime uh, unique. So yeah. hard to answer that question. But parts of it were cool, but also I would say the dialogue is worse in the anime because it's less funny and they are they are more awkward with the fantasy racism stuff. And it's also more centered in the show. It's very strange. So that's the, the I, I can't think of any more thoughts on Ruby. I think we have to move on here. That's but do you have any more questions or no, we good? We're good. OK, um. um show I got halfway through and then had to stop because it literally went on hiatus. Uh huh. Isekai Oji-san. Oh, they went on hiatus, eh? Yeah, went on hiatus. Uh, I'm sorry to hear you were really enjoying that. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, it's just like actually quite funny and good. Uh, it's it's one of the shows I think that I think plays on a lot of different levels. Um, it has, it it's quite clever in terms of where it positions itself in terms of like nerd culture nostalgia. So the premise of the show is there's a guy who got isekai back in the year 2000 and has woken up about, I think, year 2018, I believe, um, and is having to deal with adapting back to the world with his uh, nephew, who has basically only grown up in the interim of this guy having been in a coma. Uh, and it's sort of a bit of... A, it's a, obviously a heavy piss take of isekai stuff, and that we basically see stuff from this guy's life in the other world, where he just... He has, like, I guess the opposite to genre savviness of someone who just does not understand that the isekai genre is a thing and, like, only knows it a bit like, oh, you know, I play JRPGs, I kind of get this, and is completely not acknowledging where the direction of anime and, I guess, otaku media went in the 18 years where he was out. Um, and, I don't know, it's pretty funny. Um, it has, it has a, I'm kind of a mark for Sega jokes. Uh, there's, there's, oh, nice. Cool. There's, no, it has a Sega jokes are pretty good. Um... A lot of, lot of references to treasure games, um, a really good Altered Beast bit, which made me, made me fucking crack up. I was watching with a friend who just does not care about um, retro video games at all, and he still found most of it funny. So I think it's like, it's one of the things where like, if you get all the references, it works well, because you're like, ah, oh, you played off that, and if you don't, it just seems like they're making up nonsense 90s video games, which seem funny. Uh, which I think is always important for a show that uses reference humor heavily. Uh, it's just pretty neat. Um, and I think it also has the the one thing that I have noticed about uh, parody isekai, which is they always end up having more interesting world building than real isekai because the authors have presumably had to think about the story more. That's um, very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. There's like, oh, what's, what's the main character's really overpowered thing? He's really good at translating languages. And that's how the story unfolds around that and how they manage to play jokes off that. And it's like, oh, that's actually a cool premise and would make for a better fantasy story than most of these actual isekai things. Uh, so yeah, uh, really neat, really funny. Um, I'm looking forward to the second half when it comes out in November. Okay, cool. Well, fingers crossed on that. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds exciting. And I respect uh, I respect Oji Sans in general, so Same. that's good. The, the main thing I will say about it is that like it's a sh- the Oji San it looks kind of like uh, I guess ugly on purpose, and it's like on one hand I'm like it's you know it, it makes sense the thing where like if the person if he was if he was too hot um I I would say uh the show would have if it was too hot he would simply integrate into society right 
well, there's that, but also, uh, I would say the show would be very, very shippable in a direction that we're not allowed to discuss due to Spotify's content guidelines. Got it. Okay, interesting. <laughs> very cool. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, but yeah. Uh, okay, cool. in Mal's cool. Got it. I understand. I will say, whenever I saw, like, images of the uncle, he reminded me a lot of the extremely grody villain from Kamisama no Yutori, so that's all I can really think of. Oh. So in my mind, he is incredibly evil. Oh, no. He's voiced by Koyasu. Uh, oh, hell yeah. So okay, cool. Great. He's, awesome. He's, he's not quite doing full evil clown swag, but he does He does still okay. have a sexy voice. <laughs> right, but he's adjacent. He's clown swag adjacent, <laughs> I'm hearing. Pretty much. Okay, cool. Cool. Good, good. Uh, are there any more shows we dropped, or can we talk about stuff we finished now? Uh, yeah, I think from now on, everything else I finished. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Um... Okay, so I'll, I'll get this out of the way because I'm not sure how much we'll have to say about this. I watched the uh, new batch of episodes from Stone Ocean, a.k.a. Stone oh, Ocean Part 2. I um, started that. It's good. Uh, Stone Ocean is the first part of the JoJo's manga that I did not read as oh, okay. a kid growing up. I read uh, all of Part 5 and then Part 6. I was like, oh, well, it would be pandering if I read the part with the obvious dyke in it. So I'm just going <laughs> to skip this and then I never got back to it. Um, so a lot of it's new to me. Um, holy shit. A couple of the fucking bits in this segment of episodes are some of the most Iraqi fucking... I, it, this, it feels dumb to say this, but some of the shit in this part of episodes is some of the most peak Iraqi shit I've ever seen. And they have a bit of a great time. This was an, this was the, um, sorry, pardon? Is the adventure bizarre, Mal? Are you saying, are you saying this is a bit of a bizarre adventure? It's fucking getting wacky. It's getting kind of zany. It's getting kind of insano with it. Have you seen The Green Baby? You know about The Green Baby? I've read all the manga. Uh, I know Green Baby. Okay, I've, The Green Baby is incredible like everything about uh how it spawns and what it does this was my certified two beers a night uh show of the season <laughs> is, is how i would describe stone ocean yeah. this is the number one two beers show of the season so go ahead and watch that if you don't know what jojo's is whatever i'm that's all i have to say it was fun i enjoyed it um big ups to ifaru's again for crushing it on the performances and there we go yep uh i'm a uh, couple episodes in, uh, it's still good. Uh, do you have, like, I mean, the net, I think honestly the most interesting thing to discuss here, because it's it's good, it's JoJo, it's a well-known adaptation. Um, yep. I know this batch of episodes includes uh, one thing, uh, obviously includes uh, Green Baby, also includes Dragon's Dream, which is another of the truly bizarre JoJo fights. Dragon's Dream is exceptional. That was that was good stuff. I'm, that, Maybe that... my favorite bit from this season, actually. Interesting. So in, in the manga, it's a really fun fight because Dragon's Dream, the stand, has a really fun personality, but... This is the point where Araki's art kind of melts down, and you have oh, an yeah. entire fight based around like where people are standing in rooms, and it's incomprehensible because nothing is consistent from panel to panel. Um, so I think the anime is probably going to tidy that up. So I'm quite excited to get that in the anime. I will say it was quite legible. Um, I was watching this with Iris. Iris also has read the manga, and there was a similar instance where the anime is uh, a much more welcoming experience than the manga because you know the invisible zombies the yes. uh, limp biscuit stand fights yes. yeah uh, so in this in this show they depict the invisible zombies in any manner which is apparently a huge upgrade over the manga where they don't so they don't. yeah i will say that dragon's dream feels like a similar upgrade uh in visual presentation so once again thank you david productions for making a show very watchable i really yeah. appreciate it especially when it's an iraqi an iraqi joint so 
yeah, just uh, good work as always. Looking forward to more of this, etc. Which et is actually coming out in December. They've actually given us a release date. Wow, that's super soon. Yeah. Let's go. That's cool. Amazing. Um, big ups to um, David Pro on not getting trapped in Netflix hell. I was talking with this, uh, talking with a friend recently about how we're never, ever going to get more Doro Hidoro ever. Mm. Period. And it's yeah. uh, sad because they got to like the they got to like leaving End's Castle and that's it. And it's yeah. like, OK, cool. Does, does so the like, what, the 20% like, mark of the story? It, like, it literally ends up Blue Knight, which is like... It's like... It's, it's uh, Robert Vanga's yeah. thoughts. It's <laughs> fucking... Whatever, I, I did so. actually not watch the Dora Hedera anime, but uh, yeah. I, I saw Dora Hedera It was like, fine. Like, I really yeah. like MAPPA's 3D models. I think that they're good, even if they deserve to get paid more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're never going to get more of that show because of how Netflix works. So, you know, it's, can't recommend uh, it in good faith. I I mean, I do I do think... I'm not sure. Because of how I think the slightly different relationship is between licenses and streamers in Japan, a show being Netflix for one uh, part of it doesn't mean that it'll be locked there forever um but well, yeah i hope it so help. yeah i think you're having just in general is like a weird thing to totally adapt it's quite long and quite weird it is quite long yeah and it's also like pretty pretty gory and st stuff so i guess network may be difficult for networks i'm not yeah. really sure yeah whatever who knows anyways uh, it didn't air this season so who gives a shit um, but if we're talking about Netflix shows that hopefully yeah, will get okay. a continuation, nice, bastard nice, yes. part two. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, we can go on to the other one after this. Um, bastard. All part good. Two, all good. Go ahead. Um, was really good. Uh, it's more of bastard. Um, if you like bastard, well, in this season, the bastard from bastard. He, you think at the end of part one of Bastard, he's Bastarded his last, and there's no way he can do anything that's like on level of bastardry because he had a heroic Bastard moment. But oh boy, it turns out when you introduce a guy who is as Bastard as Bastard, but Bastard refuses to believe he's as Bastard as Bastard, um, uh -huh. the level of Bastardry gets so intense. Uh, it's really fun. It's a really fun fighting shonen that uh, the first few episodes go a little bit kind of... The animation budget clearly drops for a bit, which is fine. Um, and it goes a bit, like, repetitive. There's, like, three episodes in a row which are, like, the exact same plot. And you're like, okay, where's this going? And the main character starts winning a few too many fights in a row. And, like, has this lost its way? But the finale is, like, a... Just one of those really good shonen fights where every single character has to contribute to beat the enemy. And it keeps on escalating. And I, I think more shonen fights should have the main character be completely useless for the latter half of it. Not like, oh, he comes back and does a cool thing. The, the, the final fight is like, I don't know, Dark Schneider has his his top pu useless puppy boy moments, and they rock. Uh, and it ends on a to-be-continued, so God God willing, we'll get more bastard soon. Uh, okay. Really fun. If you like violent, like, funny, tongue-in-cheek shonen, shonen, definitely check it out. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I do hope you get more, but, you know... I actually, I very much hope you get more. Big, big <laughs> fingers crossed on that. But now, I... uh, in terms of the best kind of Netflix show is one where it's over, so you don't it's have over. to worry about whether or not it'll get so more. So true. Uh -huh. And for that reason, I would say my favorite thing this season was Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's certainly a candidate. It's a, it's a choice I respect. Um, Edge Runners was really cool. Yeah. Um. It's a. Uh, I feel like people will also have known about this, but the Trigger Production, the OG Gurren Lagann team coming back together to mm -hmm. run it down sci-fi style. 
Yep. In the year 2077? I think this is 2076, actually. 2076. The game is 2077. This takes place beforehand, I believe. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, fuck me then. Whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's good. Um, It's cool. I was really like surprised by how much I like this show. I think this Same. might be the best thing that Imaishi has directed with Trigger, Ooh. except for Kill a Kill. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, this is like top two. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think the show is really neat. It looks great. Uh, in my opinion, it sounds great. I think Mallory Slay disagrees here. Uh, I, okay, 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 okay. The, the music... All the instrumental music is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the vocal themes are really obnoxious, and some of them work and some of them don't. So that's just like, you know, once again, your mileage may vary. If you're less of a fussy snob bitch, I think you'll probably get a lot more out of it. And the w- the most important parts where the vocal themes are really, like, mattering mm-hmm. in, like, an emotional sense, I do think that those work fine. Like, the yeah. final scene, for instance, I was very very happy with how that went so definitely yeah no i think i think it works well not a deal breaker not a deal breaker oh uh, it's it's a lot of fun um so it's on the show as well i have a bit of a bit of an issue where i i don't the final two episodes are especially the final episode it, it, the very end of the show is really good but the steps it takes to get there i think are a bit limp um it's a, it's a little um sort of rushing head forward towards the finale that they want you to see where they're like oh, i really want to get to this part let's uh sort of just cobble together some steps between here and there yeah and it has it has what i like to call um westerner hype writing uh where generally uh, okay. if you're if you're watching an anime and this isn't always the case, but if someone's a hype villain, they're going to be mentioned from the start, and you're going to see a few scenes of them in shadows talking to people. You're like, oh, who's this motherfucker? And there is one of these in, in Edge Runners, and he's really cool. Uh, he's not the guy who matters. Uh, some motherfucker I've never heard of called Adam Smasher. Apparently he's like the Darth Vader of Cyberpunk. Who gives a shit? Shows up, and um, making half the ending revolve around him, I think, is stupid. There's no emotional weight to it. There's, It doesn't even feel like, because the events that happen... You like oh shit feel a bit like oh so Adam's that Adam Smash is the guy who this is gonna roll around. It doesn't really work because he's not very interesting as a character, and I don't think he really works as a symbol of like corporate violence because he's a bit too nice and has too much of a personality. Uh, I don't think that. Uh, oh okay, sorry. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I I think he he doesn't work for me thematically or as a satisfying hype conclusion to a series, and I think so much of the finale being a big extended wow action scene goes against what is kind of good about the series um which is to say i think um the 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 core romance is i actually think is really good it really really hit for me um i think there's a lot of fun twists in there that are really neat um and uh yeah i i think david and lucy's relationship is really heartbreaking and really well told um Yes. Uh, there's also that other girl who people care about who's, like, in the show for, like, three episodes. <laughs> you mean uh, Rebecca? Yeah. Rebecca's cool. She's people cool. got really mad about her online, um, I, I suppose. They got really mad about her, and then they got really excited about her. And then it was like, yeah, she's she's fine. Um, there's also my boy Falco. Remember Falco? 
Dude, Falco was cool as hell. Falco was like... Wait, does he Big just... ups to Guy Who Lives. <laughs> just Guy Who shows up halfway through. Because, yo, fucking... The way Falco... It feels like main... Like, I will say just a lot of the show has an issue with, like, things aren't really, like, set up. Like, there is a... There's a whole theme of, like, oh, eventually, you know, if you get too many implants, you go crazy. That's fair. But uh-huh. that ends up being quite a key character moment for one particular character, and is not at all foreshadowed before it becomes quite key to that character. And in, in the same episode it's brought up, it gets resolved. I was like, this feels so much like Western TV writing. Um, in general, my, my thoughts about the show are like, it's neat except when you can tell a Westerner thought parts of the writing would get. Man, that's so brutal. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's I, I, get, I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I just um yeah, no, I, I agree. We will now be discussing spoilers for Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh we respect this show. We thought it was pretty good, so if you don't want to get spoiled on it, go skip to the fifty five minute mark in the podcast. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Well we'll return you back now. I have some disagreement with uh your views on Adam Smasher. Okay. Um Insofar as I think Adam Smasher represents exactly one thing in this show, mm-hmm. and it's just the end point for David's story. Yeah. Whether he wants to accept that or not, where like David is is hurtling down the path that everyone is told it was going to lead to one choice, mm-hmm. a- and when he gets, or it's going to lead to one thing. Everyone's saying you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, and Adam Smasher appears and says you're going to die, or you could not die if you want to abandon something important mm-hmm. to you. And this, I think, this, la- this it's a very small, very typical trigger story beat um, of, like, do you want to abandon the last vestige of humanity mm-hmm. to not die, or are you going to be the epic hero man because you want to? Because you've already gotten this far, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, a lot, I would not call it a very utility thing, but Adam Smasher is such a non-character boogeyman anyways that I was not really bothered by that. If yeah. anything, I thought his dialogue was just uh, just charming enough to make him more than simply a boogeyman. Uh, so that's, I was okay with that. That's fair. I, I think I think I mean, this is probably just how you like your action narratives to play out kind of thing, really. Well, I think that Adam Smasher has nothing to do with the corpo-like ethos, right? He's just, if you want to kill people and not die, you have to become non-human. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that that's something that David knew the whole time, and I think for most of the story, he's not prepared to make that choice, and then when he has to make that choice, he is prepared, and he makes the choice, and he dies. And uh, this is spoilers for Cyberpunk, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I guess, I guess we should put in, we'll put in, we'll put in, well, we were, we were kind of basically saying every, we said the end of David's story. I'll put an editor note in, yeah. I'll put some timestamps in here, holy shit, I just realized what we were talking about, but, like, the fact that we're talking spoilers is a recommendation, yes. so I'll, I'll put an editor's note. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, so it, it is neat, and I, I do think in terms of themes, it like reminds me a bit like the bits of Gurren Lagann, which I like the most, which isn't the Arman oh, epic stuff. It's like you know what, there is ultimately always going to be a human tragedy behind a hero story, and yeah, I, totally. I think yeah. that it does really well. I, I just and think... I think that having Gurren Lagann's story beats in something that is less than half the size is like wow they've yeah. he's gotten so much better at his editing in the past 15 to 20 years that's awesome <laughs> that was sort of how i felt about cyberpunk that's fair i yeah like it is still really good i just think it's like i suppose it's like i 
from what I can tell, like, not, I'm not sure, I know a lot of people, like, I'm not sure how many people I've talked to on the show were, like, as invested in David and Lucy's relationship as I was. And I think maybe, Oh, I, yeah, they were great. They were great. And, like, I think that's just, like, I wanted just a bit more of them at the end. And, like, I can see from a third perspective why maybe you don't want to have that. But I, I think sometimes you do have to lean a bit more into, I don't know, the kind of bittersweetness they went for, I didn't think was the most kind of effective bittersweetness. But I do think the final shot with everything on the moon is fantastic. Yeah, the the I yeah I agree. I I I'm kind of with you where like the last two to three episodes, all their faults are pretty excused for how valuable that last sequence and that final mm. shot is. It's really good, and I also think it's um pretty valid to make a pr- relatively short show where the point is to have one really fucking sick shot at the end of uh, ten episodes. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Like that's fine by me, because everything else on the way was uh completely fine enough to uh, get me there. So yeah, yeah, I was very happy with that. I, I would agree. I, it's, it's I need cool. to shout out the OP of this show being um, the second time I've really liked an anime with a Franz Ferdinand uh, <laughs> song in it. Yeah, I. It's it's honestly it is genuinely funny that Franz Ferdinand now has has more anime openings to name than uh, <sighs> decent decent number of Jeff popular Japanese bands. Oh, many, yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, for those who don't know, they also had um, "Tell Me Tonight" was the ED to "Paradise Kiss." Yep. Um, um, and this was actually, I, I had to do some searching on this. This is not actually the studio take of this fire. It is a specific B-side cut called This Fuffa Fire with three Fs. And mm. it's actually a completely differently cut song. There's a unique uh, guitar solo in it with like that feedback part in the, in the middle of that bridge, which you hear in the OP. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, cool. I found a new Ferenc Ferdinand song from their debut album. <laughs> Thanks, Cyberpunk. Um, that album's amazing. I love that Ferenc Ferdinand album so much. It's like peak Britpop to me. One of the finest of all time. Um, yeah, that was great. I also like what that song does in the context of the show, where it's like this very organic guitars forward classic punchy rock song. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the soundtrack is all very washed out and synthy. Yeah. And I do like most of that instrumental stuff, but I think the contrast of like the punchy guitar song about there being a fire inside you and needing to burn a city down contrasted with everything else being so inorganic mm. um, was really nice as well as to how it pertains to the outro and Adam Smasher and that stuff. I thought that was good. I was I was impressed by that. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's a fun opening choice. It's good. I The show, it oozes style. It's, it is genuinely neat and genuinely worth checking out. So, yeah. yeah, especially for how short it is. Um, yes. c- c- could not recommend that enough. Um, and this is where I'm going to say the spoilers are over for Cyberpunk uh, <laughs> Ice Runners. So welcome back. If you uh, missed the spoilers, basically it's ten episodes. Go watch it. It's on Netflix. Go give it a check. Go check it out. It's good. It's fun. Fran it. um, Ferdinand's in there. So um, interestingly enough, I yes. have a decent different eight point five out of ten of the season. That is a yeah. short-run cyberpunk show. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is this was my other big contender, and I'm happy to talk about it. Let's dig in. To Yure Deco. Uh, yeah. Yure Deco is cool. Uh, Yure Deco is, is interesting. I see no one talk about it. Like, yeah, same. And I I, I, uh, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts on this. One is, I, there is a certain brand of what I call art anime that is... You know, I haven't been a prick enough this episode. I was very nice about Ruby, so this is my prick moment. Um, 
people who make a big deal of watching artsy smart anime don't watch this kind of brand of art anime. There was like Sunny Boy a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Yuri Deco is, is probably this year's one of one. It's just like, it's just slightly too genuinely weird and you don't get enough clout just for saying you've watched it. Um, that's fair. And I think that's a shame because I think, I think Yuri Deco would... I am shocked that all the people who I know are still at least mildly into anime, who I talked about, you know, with Kaiba and whatnot, like five to ten years ago, haven't gone out and watched this, because I think this is a very, very neat evolution of both the kind of abstract sci-fi things that you see in, in the Madhouse team that eventually splits off to do Science Saru, uh, and also, I guess, more kind of... Um, Oddly high concept sci-fi kids anime, uh, like Correct to Yui, and probably the most famous example is Deno Coil. Uh, oh yeah, and oh I think yeah. Yuri Deco is Yuri Deco starts off feeling like Deno Coil for the Fortnite generation, and then kind of doesn't stop being that, but ends up being really salient and really smart, and is in a weird place where like I'm surprised this was a late night anime and not a kids show. But also, I think it might it might genuinely just be a bit too confusing and heady for like kids to really enjoy. That's the um, thing is, I think that this show, it, it has all the visual presentation of straight up a precure, like the mm-hmm. same color palette, the same joyful bop to everything. I yeah. would say even the dialogue oh, completely it's... lines up oh, with yeah, like yeah. a precure, basically. Like, everyone has funny catchphrases they're saying constantly. Yeah, it's it's very goofy. And I think it's, um this is very classic science sorry to me, where they're able to take it an irrepressibly upbeat and goofy presentation and still tap into something pretty interesting with the uh, themes and the story and stuff. Yeah, so uh, it's honestly one of the shows with slightly complex plots. So you probably won't explain in too much detail, but there's a girl called Berry who is... So basically, they live on this island. Um, I forgot the name of the actual... The island, island is called Tom Sawyer. I thought Tom Sawyer was the thing in the sky. Oh, well. No, anyway. that's, that's Mark Twain. Oh, that's Mark Twain. Fuck, you're right, yeah. Uh, they live on an island called Tom Sawyer. Um, which is today's based... Tom Sawyer Mean Mean Drive. <laughs> sorry, a little rush reference for you. <laughs> um, sorry, that was not fun. That was not. Like, um, shout out to all the it. Canadians listening. Um, Let's go. Hello. <laughs> um, and very loves on this island. Uh, and basically, this is an island where kind of social media, ha- basically big data and social media control things, and to the degree where basically you can sort of use um, social media clout as currency is the shorthand of it. It's it's a bit more complex than that, but that's you know, the, the other way to pitch. And mm-hmm. she gets involved with this thing called uh, the Phantom Zero Phenomenon, which is basically this kind of like Pokemon Go slash cyber activism thing that people are really into, uh, where everyone tries to catch this this mysterious person called the Phantom Zero, who's this like furry super hacker. Think Banksy, but a furry. Um, and in the process meets this other girl called Hack, who is uh, basically a feral cyberpunk child uh who yeah raised by raised by circuits raised by circuits um who is also trying to discover what basically lies behind the phantom zero phenomenon which seems to be this mysterious witch-like woman who floats in cyberspace uh things go very weird very quickly and i think um and you know within the first few episodes you get um faked deaths um terrorist incidents um a whole sort of like the show is like quite good at, again having the visual aesthetics of a precure but like being very good at depicting like the ways in which a big corporation dehumanizes people um the like there's one point early on where hack is put into like a uh wheelchair straight jacket thing 
that like looks funny but it's honestly kind of horrifying how it completely removes all agency from a person whatsoever um and it's just it's just all these like little small goofy science fiction stories that visually and thematically go they always like one bit more intelligent than you think there's going to be like the um there's an episode about like a guy who has come up with what might be a historically accurate nue the japanese folklore beast which very notably is not historically real uh and the way that mm-hmm. plays out is i know it's a neat little uh, parable that make that kind of makes you feel bad for literally everyone involved i think that was my favorite um one-off episode for yeah. sure um and it is also i think maybe the show has a lot to say about how information works online and how information spreads mm what the ethics of information are. Mm-hmm. And I think that episode is able to encapsulate all of the most salient points that the show wants to talk about into one 20 minute uh, stretch. Yeah. So for that reason, that would be my standout episode. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's, it's the idea of like, it sort of goes back to like that old notion of like, is a lie that helps someone um, ethical or is it, or is a lie inherently harmful by virtue of not being true? And then if something becomes untrue by virtue of a lie that's told for many, many years, is it ethical to restore truth or to maintain the current truth, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of lots of good little meditations, I would even say. Mm. Not even really decisive answers on these questions. But it's really refreshing seeing something just talk about this stuff in an open way yeah. with such a fucking joyful presentation and... A, freed- a freedom to it that is just really sort of uh, un- unusual. Very fun. Yes. A, like, fantastic soundtrack all over the place. They've got oh, all yes. notable yes. Japanese, like, electro producers in to contribute. They've got, like, three different people on the soundtrack, uh, and they all deliver some really great songs. Uh, super catchy opening. Um, it's it's really smart. Um, I know I'm saying, oh, this show's really smart, you should watch it, but, like, it's it's kind of unassuming. It's it's not a show that's like jacking itself off constantly. I think it might be better to watch now it's all out because some of the conspiracy stuff is a bit convoluted, as all these best shows really are. Um, and I, I just kind of lose track of who, because we find out who's the guy behind Phantom Zero and his relationship with some other people in the cast. But there's actually a different set of people who are also related to this. And a lot of it is delivered um, through, I would say, quite a bleak explanation that just expects the the watch they paying attention uh there's one bit where they give you a bit of an like an in-universe diegetic recap episode that's quite smart but um yeah i don't know i think it's 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 a fast place clever thriller and what it does hit and this is really important to me in a, a high concept sci-fi show is inevitably in many shows there's gonna be a point where the antagonist slash villain the one in this case is kind of interesting in terms of where she falls um delivers a speech about society um oh yes and quite often uh so what you really want here is one a for it to be something you haven't heard before and b for it to be salient and i think it's not fully fleshed out the ending the ending is good ending but it could be two episodes instead of one but the point they make about algorithms is genuinely like it made me pause for a second it's like you know what yeah the, the show is not incorrect about how society goes around certain data patterns even without the existence of big data i think is it's neat how it analyzes that and i think you know some might say some of its final message might be a bit too hope punky or maybe a bit too non-revolutionary but i I don't know 
it's it's neat that it exists. I think in the context it does, and it's nice to have a cyberpunk show that is hopeful for the future. Um, we're on the brink of something irreversible, but we can turn it back, and it's neat to have a show yeah. that argues it. Um, I liked when this show was able to tie information, um, like the theft and the manipulation of information directly into um, how it causes harm in communities and yeah. climate change. Yes. I think those are the most valuable parts of the show. Those um, the ending for me, and this is why I preferred cyberpunk to this, yeah. is that I think the ending for me, it felt a little too much like, well, I guess let's all just sort of scoop up and try again kind of yeah. thing it was like i i think i got what they were going for i did i, I was okay with the ending mm -hmm. but i really was hoping for something a bit more at least a bit more interesting or yeah. conclusive uh, yeah i think uh, basically there's a they go and confront the final villain and they have half a conversation with her and it cuts off and it goes to an epilogue and i think the entire conversation with her should be it felt episode. like they had to cut one episode from yeah. their budget like last minute it's, it's very strange and it's a shame because like it's one of those shows like you it's really hard to cut out any of the episodes because they all go towards the thesis statement and yeah, like they it, it, all it's come back the, around and irrelevant the, yeah this show is very sneakily a um mystery of the week show where every single mystery ends up being very relevant to the overarching story mm. in a way where if you missed one you wouldn't not be able to understand but if you missed one you would miss out on some of what's happening yeah. and a lot of bits that tie together very nicely um, um i do think something is really cute about it is the author dai sato is a guy who uh, his first big break was bebop and then he worked on like uh ergo proxy and uh yuka 7 a lot of like sort of counterculture 90s uh 2000 shows and now he's you know he's in his 50s now uh 40s 50s and this this feels like a cool dad show and not in like a cringe way, but like the, it has a very genuinely sweet relationship between parents and children, and how we conceptualize family, that I think is is fun. I I think, I think it it'd be very easy for this kind of show to be a touch grass log off show, and I think it it isn't that. Oh and yeah, it's super not that. It, which... I think this show is even like, hey, no one is able to to log yeah, off or touch grass anymore. We get it. That's why it's kind of interesting, and I think I don't know. I think. The way in which the, the parent-child relationship that's not the heart of Barry's story but like quite key to it gets built up and resolves is i don't know it's quite sweet and i think i think it shows it shows that you know this is clearly an author who he hasn't gone the tomino direction of like well i mean or like tomino's a weird one uh but like hasn't gone the direction of like well you know the kids need to learn a thing or two it's clearly someone's like i need to learn something from the kids which, yeah, is, totally, which is why i think totally. it's, it's a it's a cool show uh highly worth checking out um yeah um co-signed co-signed agreed stamped signed delivered okay uh oh is it time for my lightning round oh yes let's hear boom, ranka's boom, 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 uh boom. niche choices niche choices ranka's niche choices it's the same as mal's best funnies <laughs> but it's a little different because the content is completely different go right ahead Tepen, laugh till you cry uh the bushy ah. road show this season that uh got got had the best timing of all time to have an episode about assassinating the prime minister that was going to air the week shinzo abe died yeah very uh, cool very exciting teppin is neat uh teppin is cool um I, I think it kind of unfortunately brings back the issue that bushiroad anime are not the enemy there's a lot about bushiroad that i don't like but the bushiroad anime tend to at least be interesting even when i don't like them um 
and often are actually kind of good. And Teppan is, you know, it's a bunch of people. It's it's the three of the four Milky Holmes girls linking up, uh, to do Manzai themed comedy. That oh shit, seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. Hell yeah! Sorry, I uh, got really. I did, oh oh shit, is is it um, do we have uh my girls came back my Toko is uh, sorry Tokui and uh, I can't remember which one. I'm, I'm looking it up. You keep talking. Sorry. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, I think it has a little bit of the, it almost has, it's almost a bit equivalent to Odd Taxi, where it is often funnier than it is actually smart. Uh, in Odd Taxi's case, that worked because it was also a clever crime thriller, or this is mostly a comedy. So it's times like, oh, you've done a really clever episode plot, but I didn't laugh once, even though I think what you set up was quite clever, and it was a neat little twist into Newmont that all wrapped together in a way that was intelligent. I didn't laugh very much, but it does have some very funny episodes, and some of the smart episodes are genuinely smart enough that they just work as, like, weird little slice-of-life stories. Um, so yeah, it's it's neat. Uh, I I wouldn't necessarily super recommend it, but the I would say the Shinzo Abe gets assassinated episode is really good. Um, awesome. Cool. Second half of Summertime Render. Uh, the show's cool. Uh, it's really neat. Um, I think we've had a great year of just shonen thrillers. Uh, two solid 24 episodes back-to-back with Platinum End and Summertime Render. It does slightly stumble at the end in a way that doesn't destroy what comes before, but does kind of... When these shonen thrillers, you want to have like a really like boom-bang-bam-clap ending that makes you go, wow. And this is like... Everything resolves neatly and like intelligently and according to its own rules, but the actual like final solution is kind of like... Uh, this is the worst bit of the show, which is a huge shame, but it's still uh, really fun, really neat, fantastically animated. Uh, I trust Disney Plus with anime more than I do Netflix, is is what I've taken away from that. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, after uh, after two hits. <laughs> yeah. After the uh, roaring success of uh, uh, BRS Dawnfall. Woo! <laughs> um, the Mail. Uh, the Mail Clothed in Gold. Uh, this was the latest Shonen Gangan adaptation, following in the trail of Soul Eater and Full Metal Alchemist. Um, this is a weird one. This is a uh, funny, weird magic school fighting shonen with a side order of steamy age gap romance on the side. Uh, and it's pretty good at both. Um, really charming rain, rain romance. If, if you are a fan of sad girl older demon ladies who've done murders who don't want to murder as much anymore, uh, getting a morality pet. It's a really good one of those. Um, I think all the romance scenes are really good, and the central relationship is uh, really satisfying for this kind of show. And the action is insane, and written by someone who I think has ADHD and can't finish a single fight scene without something else happening, uh, which is very charming. Um, I think it's it's really worth watching. Um, it's certainly, I'd say, my action show of last season, not there was much competition. Um, but it's really good, and I hope you get to season two, because, uh, yeah, really nice. Uh, also, for some reason, the anime inserts a bunch of Utena references, and I guess between that and G-Witch, that's what's in right now. Um, but yeah, and finally, a show which I, it's kind of shame you haven't watched this one, because I, I think this one's worthy of a discussion, uh, but it'll, it'll have to come for another time. Um, Call of the Night, or Yofukashi no Uta, the vampire girl show this season that it's by the same author as the Gashi Kashi. Uh, uh, the author Kotoyama has a very cool style. This is a very like high-budget adaptation of a pretty high-concept, uh, I guess, kind of girlfriend show, but not really. 
about a boy who has permanent insomnia, wanders around the city at night, meets a vampire who says, "Yo, I'll just you can just live in the night with me now and just give up on your regular life." And what happens as a consequence of that? Um, and I think a lot of people, me included, expected this to be the bisque doll of the season. Uh, you know, very attractive female main character, very easily cosplayable, um, romancey theme, really high budget. It's such a fucking. It's so fucking weird that like it kind of feels like the sort of show where if you had watched it, Mal, you would have gone R based constantly. Um, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> not necessarily because it does have the the best takes in the world. Um, I think a lot of its takes are. It feels like you've you've hung out with like your really good um, straight male friend from uni who's quite smart, but it's four a.m. in the morning and you're drunk. And he's like saying some stuff like, uh, we should decrease the stigma on sex work. Uh, because, you know, if it's done willingly, it's probably not that bad. You're like, sure. He's like, because I started thinking about how if cam girls can't eat, they might die. And that makes me sad. You're like, okay. Or he'll be that like, be sad. He'll be like, you know what? I, once I thought, you know, the genders just can't understand each other. But I got over it. And like, oh, why do you? He's like, because I fucked a femboy. And you're like, fair. And it's just an entire show of these kind of takes constantly. Um, and it, it becomes really interesting. It's a show, I think, that, like, it, it, I think it's, like, got pretty good ratings on, like, Mal and all those sorts of spectrums, because it kind mm -hmm. of... I, but I haven't seen many people talk about it or go, like, wow, the girls are so hot, or this is so wholesome, because it's not that. It's a show that, like, revels in weirdness and sometimes misfires dramatically, but when it lands, it's, it's genuinely worth discussing, and I think... Um, and it also has good J-Rap in it. Which right now, as I understand, is a bit bit of a commodity. Um, yeah, that's fair. It is a bit. It, it's not the most common one in the world. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this season, I don't know a lot. A lot of the things we discussed, like uh, seven and eight out of ten, I didn't hate it, and it was at least an interesting bunch of not very good show. Well, not 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 very good, but decent bunch of like good shows. But like, there was. You know, I was there wasn't like a birdie wing or a uh, no. There were no breakout stars. Yeah. Um but there. And was... my enthusiasm for cyberpunk is still pretty much tempered by it being the guys who are <laughs> who have been good at doing this yeah. for twenty years have done it again. Done it so again. it's it's it's. And... My favorite show this season was I think the most expected thing to be have been good and also you've seen it before yeah but and what if what if there was one yeah. show that week to week for better or worse there was something to talk about <laughs> yeah that would be so exciting and also good for our podcast wow. um for like uh traffic and interest and intrigue Ooh. would that show be called licorice recoil oh it might just be Okay, amazing. We've strung you along for a full hour, <laughs> you suckers. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll talk about Lico Rico when we come back. Woo! Oh, my God. 
Mallory. Hey, Mallory. Yeah, what's up? I think we're on the wrong podcast. Wait, really? Because this week, the topic is, are gun things gun? Okay. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. I was like, Ronka, do you have an intro? And they were like, yeah, I got something of an intro. I was like, okay, go go right ahead. So that, yeah, good. That yeah, was great. Yeah, awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because Lacoris Recall is what we're going to be discussing now. And that is a show which makes us ask, where does one draw the line between our fun things fun and our gun things gun? And I think for that reason, Lacoris Recall has been... I don't think you can really call it one of the most controversial shows of this year, because I think generally the reaction to the show has been pretty positive. I would say overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, overwhelmingly positive. I would say uh, ebbing and flowing, but I'd say suddenly mainstream-wise people have been very impressed with uh, Lacrosse Recoil. Uh, Definitely the standout show of summer 2022. No, no debating. Um, Yep. A show that uh, isn't necessarily in wouldn't necessarily be something we would cover on the podcast normally, but I think has been it's very relevant to I think the kinds of shows that we cover uh, and the you know the, the field that we research into. Um, so this is a new show, thirteen episodes, wraps up fairly conclusively ish. Who knows? Um, and... Oh, if they oh man i had, I had... well <laughs> sorry the thought of sequel bait had not even entered my brain so now i'm just like dealing with that but yeah, yeah sure yes 13 episodes one run pretty conclusive uh-huh. ending uh a huge hit and probably the most the biggest i'd say gl vibes hit probably since review starlight yeah def- yeah that's fair to say which is um... getting on for three years now uh, God, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, then I guess that's a fair comparison, and I guess relevant and important. Um, so, where to start? Let's say Licorice Recoil mm-hmm. is Black Lagoon for the TikTok generation. <laughs> Hire me immediately. Oh, I have a much, much ruder opinion. Uh, yeah, but... let's hear yours. Mine was mostly a joke. I don't really believe any of that, um, but go on. What's Licorice yours? Recoil is... Um... Spy X Family for people who like Yurihime. Ooh, I have another one. Okay. Uh, Licorice Recoil is Psychopaths for enjoyers of Review Starlight. Oh. Licorice Recoil is the MCU for people who wish it was Jesus Christ. the WLW. L- let's go. <laughs> All right. Okay. We've got our roasting out of the way. Let's talk some serious brass tacks about this mm-hmm. show. A1 Studios original production, directed and composed by Shingo Adachi, most well-known for his work as the designer behind all of Sword Art Online. Okay, oh, did he write which, it as well? Which, to be fair... Hmm? Did he write it as well? The show? Yeah. Like Licorice? Yeah, he said since direction and composition. He's credited as director, series composition, and uh, at least some of the individual episode scripts. Wow, okay, fair enough. So lots of work coming in uh, from him. Uh, there's also a credit for original story to Asaura, which is confusing to me because I don't understand what that means in this context. Uh, um, this is also the original creator of Bento mm-hmm. and nothing else, actually. So, okay. Yeah, Bento Bento's the main thing. Um, I think yeah. it's one of the things that's like, here's the person who came up with the original plot pitch, and then this is the guy who like actually turned it into a TV anime kind of thing. A show? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, other big script name here, we have uh, Takahiro Shikama, 
who um ooh, del toro quest animation and keyboard and keyframes let's oh, go oh hell yeah um yeah not a ton of uh concrete work here uh lots of uh one-off um episode credit design credit keyframes 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 um worth noting mecha design in star driver that's oh, okay. cool that's cool yeah and then of course a lot fair bit of work on starter online just like direction etc um so also probably one of the larger credits for that uh, author as well and then lots of um lots of fun jobbers doing uh storyboard and direction and these credits i should say stop at episode nine i guess someone just got bored of writing them down which is fine <laughs> that's okay i mean that i suppose they're still probably still updating it yeah probably um so that being said um licorice recoil is a one core about um takina a loose cannon from the tokyo extra ju judicial all teenage girls secret police called the licorice yes uh licorice is a variety of lily this is um worth noting if a... you are interested in this show yes it is a poisonous spider lily yes wow what could that mean um so she gets fired from being a uh, a secret police because she did a loose cannon maneuver during an off and also there was a service outage so that was why they lost the bad guy but they're blaming it on her as like a scapegoat so she gets fired and shipped off to a place where she's gonna sort of like you know get back to basics and retrain and sort of get back in there mm -hmm. she goes to this exceptionally chill cafe run by very cool mysterious um epic guy mika and formerly Carice and hero of the famous Tokyo Tower incident, uh, Chisato. And so it sort of becomes, uh, I would say, a loose buddy cop sort of thing between mm -hmm. Takina and Chisato. Chisato is the easygoing natural talent at dodging bullets in real time. And Takina is more of a by the books, um, but also gets the job done kind of um, secret police. Yep. Uh, this show is about... Um, how to respond to terrorism and the value of policing in a society in the modern era. And I don't know if it has too much about? to say about those things. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to immediately preface with the disclaimer. Uh, I have no intention to what this show's politics. I don't think the show has politics. Uh, yeah, think... it's pretty bland at best, I would say, in that regard. I, um, I think I think people have been trying to, like, ding it on that. But I, guess, I think the show's opinions are, one, girls are awesome. Two, Which killing, is fair. killing is bad. Three, sure. but girls with guns yeah. are awesome. And then it's like, well, what if you made a girl with a gun who also didn't kill? Wouldn't she be the best person? And that's the politics of the course we call. <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> that is entirely fair. Apt summation. Um, um, I'll do a little bit of cast overview. Okay. Really brief here. Um, Takina and Chisato are played by Shion Wakayama and Chika Anzai, respectively. Mm -hmm. They're both pretty new. I'm mentioning them in tandem here because they were both recently co-stars in um, the SSSSSSS Dinazanon, um, uh. where Takina was played by Yume and um, Chisato was played by... Um, is their name literally Chisei? It's Chisei, yeah. yeah. Uh, respectively, so... Just wanted to mention that. It's kind of fun. Uh, they sound familiar to those who are watching lots of seasonals uh, in the last couple of years for that reason. Um, not too many other huge roles. I just wanted to get that one out there. Um, our main antagonist 
Actually, that's kind of a hard question to answer. Yeah. Um, the antagonist who is the Joker character in this is yes. voice. His name is um, Majima. He's voiced by Yoshitsugu Matsuoka. Um, pretty big guy. He's doing a lot of work lately. Um, some credits here include Inosuke from Demon Slayer, mm-hmm. um, Soma from Food Wars. Um, he, uh, another role credit from Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, which I still haven't learned the short form for. <laughs> Teruki from Mob Psycho 100, a role that I quite enjoyed. Good job. Big fan of Teru. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Things of this nature. And of course, uh, this is maybe actually the most important one is that he's Kirito from Sword Art Online. Yes. So there's that connection as well. well if, uh... And then briefly for Ranka, he's Akira in Star Mew, which I know that you oh! are. Yeah. interested in in some capacity Sunny is cool i do like Sunny. uh he's also uh i think probably most relevant to his role as majima is he's uh, also the crazy priest guy battle goose from re-zero um, ah okay who's okay, uh, cool who's not much like his other roles but also probably his best role in terms of at least like fair raw performance okay uh-huh. cool 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 yeah uh pretty i would say it's it's always weird cast when like it kind of has the vibe of here's a show with like loads of different girls kind of like an idol show but like there's like kind of what you think would be six main girls but then two of them are in like two episodes of the show total and two of them are like in four episodes of the show total <laughs> um yeah uh so uh last story really briefly um biggest name in the cast here Amiko Shimizu as Mizuki, who is the drunk Onei-chan, who yes. is in the bar also with them. Yeah. And she's like the getaway driver. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. So, I, I'm going to have a bit... We're going to obviously talk about our, what our thoughts were in a second, but I, I think I want to add a bit of, like, a context to how I was going to the Christmas for which is I, I'm a big watcher of, I guess, what would generally be called girls' action, I guess, B-shows. So not because this this kind of show doesn't really get like the super duper high budget super shiny looking shows, um, and I always watch a lot of these. Like you know, I was the person watching Black Rock Shooter Dawnfall last season. Yep. Uh, Birdie Wing is honestly kind of in that category. Yeah, Birdie Wing is a non uh, guns uh, B show between women. <laughs> the B is for both like B movies in terms of like quality and general action ethic, and also it's between women. <laughs> Because of all the emotions that happen. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, going back further, you have some not so great. Not further, like last year, you've got like uh, things like Battle Athletes, uh, or the not so great examples like uh, Soko Musume Senki. It's, it's a wide variety of them. I watch a lot of these. And uh, also in recent times, uh, Mallory, myself, and other friends have been watching a lot of the slightly more classic or notable parts of the genre. So Strike Witches. Yeah. Uh, Kanazuki no Miko, Black Lagoon. Um, this is this is a genre that I have a lot of investment in. Um, so when Licorice's first episode came out, I was like, "This is in- this is is this going to be not just one of these, but one of these with a big budget and big animation and big ideas?" And uh, it does have big budget and big animation. It is largely very clean, and A One Pictures clean. is pouring a lot of attention into this one. Yeah. And then the show played out over 12 weeks. And Mallory, how... 13 weeks. 30, well, 13 weeks, yes. 13 weeks. How did yep. you feel at yep. the end of the 13 weeks that could have Man. changed anime forever? Yeah, okay. Well, um, 
I should say that I think that your analysis of, of drawing an analog to the women's action shows of the early to mid aughts is fair. But I really, really, truly feel like, th by having seen all of the show now, mm -hmm. looking at it as a whole, I feel like this show is definitely more so trying to reverse engineer a buddy cop, um, I guess, something bordering on a psychological thriller in terms of the cop world. Mm -hmm. And then infusing two girls into that genre rather than going at the Black Lagoon yes. thing sort of head on. Like this, like when I said Psychopaths, I really do feel like this show is closer in a lot of its execution and ideas to Psychopaths than any right. of the shows Ronka mentioned. Definitely. I mean, Psychopaths is And that's is not a good a thing, section. necessarily. The, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I will say, okay, so I think this show has one overarching main plot line mm -hmm. that they start in episode one and they finish in episode 13. This is true. I mean, really, they finish it in episode 12, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then I think there's a lot of middle stuff. There's some, let's say, slice of life uh, moments mm. between Takeda and Chisato and the environment around them. And those are surprisingly enjoyable. I think as far as the romance between the two girls or the friendship or whatever, like we, we all know what you're here for. Um, I think that some of those work, some of them are, like, fine, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think that that stuff gets sidelined so hard towards the back third of the show that it feels like a couple different shows stapled together, even though, really, they have been consistent throughout. The priorities just shift around depending on how close to the finale they're getting. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I was really, like... I'm disappointed in myself for having higher hopes towards the first th third and like the m immediate middle of this show mm. where you get all your good little redraw memes where she's doing the eel pose and the fish pose. And that episode was great. I really, really liked it. Oh, I just, that was the episode that made me go, oh, um, like I was like, okay, they're trying something like, uh, all right, let's go. Let's, let's go. What have you got from this point onwards? And that was the peak actually. <laughs> um, and then they didn't have anything else from that point onwards in terms of um, the two girls hanging out and talking or uh, anything. And so the rest of the show becomes sort of like, what if the Joker was real? <laughs> what? what if the Joker had just watched Gatchaman crowds, but realized yeah, he, was, he did not have Marie's swag and he did not have over technology, but what he does have is guns and paper bags? <laughs> yeah, I mean... For what it's worth, I think the guns and paper bags is the most interesting thing in this show mm. because it feels very mundane to a Westerner or a North American-er, mm. but it would be kind of a pretty big deal in a country like Japan, let alone a country in Japan with the futuristic super police that uh, this version of Tokyo does. So I think that that execution of, like, why does he need 10,000 guns? Oh, he's just going to leave them everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being this lasting issue well, well after the finale of the show. Because um, they have to find 10,000 guns on the streets of Tokyo. <laughs> that, um, that bit isn't inherently bad. Like, I, I do think the show... It's not inherently bad. I think it is, I think it is um, the most directly interesting part of the terrorist plot that yes. this show touches on. Yes, I would say so. I, I do think it's also kind of funny from the angle of um and when and anyone when a girl touches a gun she might be right but if a man ever touches a gun he like starts breathing heavily and goes crazy because and will just shoot someone because that's what guns do apparently yeah they're really really good they're, fucking... they're very cool have you ever held one no because you live in Japan. <laughs>
Yeah, the I was I was quite positive about the first couple episodes. I was like, this is pretty cool. This is this is neat. Positive about the first how many? Um, I think first three. I think I okay. I yeah, think the uh, the episode where they went to DA and have the the whole like the cuddle around the fountain where like everyone's redrawing is super wholesome, but the context of that is just sort of saying, you need to fucking punch someone. If you don't punch someone, you'll never be satisfied. I was like, oh okay, this show these that girls good. might be crazy. And and then um. Then, I wish they were more mentally unstable. Here's the thing. Uh, here's here's the, like the really weird thing. Um, Why your reverse engineering point is kind of interesting is, Lacrosse uh, Recoil. You think Lacrosse Recoil is for a show that is nominally about two girls. I don't think Lacrosse Recoil likes or cares about women that much. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that's probably true. It's it's very strange that you have a show like this that puts its female cast front and center and then robs them of almost any plot agency. For the entire story anything that's pretty much interesting or meaningful that happens is either because of the joker um chisato's admittedly quite sick dad and her also insanely fucked up weird other dad um yeah yeah mika is uh genuinely a fantastic character oh, in Mika's the show right. it's really kind of too bad about everything else yeah no, i actually think also about, like chisato's like family and like the weird family of her uh, a the fact the show the show's also just like, kind of was like I'm I'm surprised it has the two canonically gay middle aged men, um and it seems yeah to be... I, people were not talking about this maybe they were I don't really know no but the... not that much and those were like the show seemed to care so much more for making interesting things happen between its male characters and its one female character who passes androgynously enough that the story treats her as a male character anyway, um that. Then when any and any time any of the female characters even got the chance of doing something cool or shocking, either Chisato would come and go, "Oh no, killing is bad," or Chisato yeah. like, or something N like narc loser horrifying would happen to Chisato, and she was like, "Ah, it doesn't matter." And I can see why that's technically an interesting kind of character. I love Gon from Hunter Hunter, and this kind of does have a Gon. Yeah, and, that's true. This kind of has the Gon and Kalua thing going on, but no, you're not wrong. The problem is that Gon and Kalua go through shit and have interesting fights where they, if they're not driving the story, the point of the story is that they aren't driving the story. Well, this show just seems to be like, uh, honestly, and here's the thing is that the, the character the show cares about least is Takina. Takina, like, could be removed from the show and basically nothing changes. It's so weird because I feel like she's meant to be the protagonist character, right? right? Like she's really, I th feel like she's introduced as the POV. Yeah. Because she's sort of like a bit of a loose, she's the loose cannon, but then Chisato is shown as a much stranger person in contrast to Takina. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's setting you up for, okay, Takina is our main character. We're going to be hanging out with her a lot. And then Chisato is sort of this new influence on Takina's world. Yeah. As well as all the other crazy cast of the cafe Lico Rico, mm -hmm. but that none of that comes to pass ever. No. And Takeda just does less and less throughout the show. She just gets more and more concerned for Chisato's immediate well-being, which I think is nice of her, but also really doesn't matter. Yeah, because it turns out Chisato is almost Chisato's uh, fine. Oh, she's gonna die. Oh my god, they stole her heart. Oh my god, she's gonna die. Oh, she's fine. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like why is it, I have to say yeah. also uh, one more disc this this show is um this is like um if Crank Three was written by uh, an Ao Three <laughs> fanfic author yeah they that's don't my final my final joke that, no that's the thing though like it has all these like like okay so I, we actually so our opinions I think the show's like fine it's a six out of ten 
Like, I, I don't think it's dreadful. Oh, I thought it was a five. I, I got really mad Ooh. towards the end. I, I, I call this a five out of ten. I actually like the last three episodes, is, is my Man, thing. that's crazy. Be Fuck, holy cow. So, I kind of like the ending because the ending starts going into feeling like a nonsense it feels like psychopath season one which is a messy nonsense show but it's a, it is at least a messy nonsense show where things are happening and when it has bits like where the bit where takino yells the heart is running away after she's just had like a kung fu fight on girders in like a collapsing tower with a female yeah. assassin lady like okay this is fun this is like this is at least a goofy girls action show versus just the show where Chisato walks into a fight and wins every single fight without even like emoting or doing anything. And you're like, oh, what's going to be like the big like traumatic incident in Chisato's past that made her like... Because like, there's the whole aspect of, like, okay, she was involved in this like bit where there was a terrorist attack on not Tokyo Tower. Um, oh, no, it's to actual oh, is it not, is it no, not no, no, Tokyo no, it, Tower? It is it's actual Tokyo Tower, yeah. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, the to it's Tokyo Tower 2. How could I forget? Um, cool. And, you know, it has this, like, big, big fight there that's all very, like, okay. And it's implied this is something that really changed her. It's like, no, it actually didn't really mean anything to her. Because you kind of always expect there's going to be a point where, like, Chisato is going to have to make a difficult choice. Or something's going to really affect her. And she just never has to make a single choice. And the show is so obsessed with not actually ever letting be any kind of, like, emotional Chisato feels bad or Chisato has, like, a rough time bit. And I guess that's kind of the point. The point is that she is so happy to be alive that this never occurs to her. But it's, it's just not very compelling writing. <laughs> it's not interesting. They, yeah, like, I think every time they tease at her interiority, I think for me, the the emotional peak of this show mm -hmm. is when she reveals she has an artificial heart and she looks borderline melancholic about it. And yeah. Takina seems really confused and insane. And she gets to try and listen to the no heartbeat. Yeah. That was, like... was great, and nothing else comes of that for the rest of the show. Chisato's interiority is flattened to the entirety of, I have an artificial heart, Pog. Yeah. And Takeda just gets more and more worried about her as if she's a real person. <laughs> like, Takeda acts more and more like a real person would, as Chisato acts less and less like a real person would throughout the rest of the show. And it's and it's, it's interesting you said the Crank written by an O3 writer, because here's the thing. Well, okay, in my defense, I had just rewatched Crank 1 and 2, like, no, earlier no, no, that no, month. No, no, so no, 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 this is, this is not as fresh my mind. This is, no, I know, I think this is a good comparison, because, and the thing is, I think it kind of fails at the AO3 thing, because it's like, okay, so Chisato's heart is going to run out of charge. It's like, what if there was a bit where, like, you know, you know, Takina hugs her and it, like, makes her heart, like, beat harder than normal. She's like, Whoa. Literally! Literally, what if Craig was Yuri? Like, could you exactly. imagine that would fucking be? Yeah! Or, or like, or, like, or... That is so fucking good! Or, like, the fucking bit where, like, there's the, um, the bit where, like, after their date, uh, where it's, like, it has to be timed. And, because, like, Takina's like, alright, oh, she doesn't have much time left. And then, Tak and then, you know, Takina walks away and the snow starts falling. And she turns back. You're like, oh, Chisato's gonna be gone as, like, a symbol for, like, how little time she has left. And Chisato's just standing there waving and it's like it was, that pissed me off that shot made me angry right that's the thing like i think it was just like why is the show so opposed to like what makes these kinds of shows good and like, like i can actually i was actually my first reaction like why have they squashed the beef between Chisato and takina so far so i thought you know what the way in which they've done it was actually kind of smart and i think this could lead into an interesting thing where we see them grow closer and then there's like a conflict that emerges between them and how they handle that that's a good way to like tell them these stories faster so you get to that kind of like series two development in the first series and no right. it never happens um 
Yeah, they never really have any sort of major disagreement or falling out besides, I guess, their discussions on the nature of um, of of more t of killing people in the yeah. line of police duty, which is not an interesting topic and not a topic this show has anything interesting to say, except that it's actually bad to kill people, which I don't know if you guys heard about this <laughs> um, little video game called Spec Ops The Line <laughs> that already covered that topic pretty well. <laughs> Um, so, like, I don't give a shit, like, and the show barely gives a shit, too. Mm. Um, I, I spent the second half of the show desperate for it to introduce something that would be a hook, and I guess the answer to that is that it's Makima. Majima, Majima. pardon me. I, I was thinking about it, I was thinking about a marginally better show. Um, and <laughs> the names really Majima's... Majima brings so little to the table. I, now this, like, I think, is where I strongly disagree, um... I, okay, it's not that he brings little to the table. It's that he's bringing, he's bringing a meal to a buffet table with no plates or forks. Yes, and and here here is the thing, and here is where he's bouncing off of nothing. He's bouncing off of nothing. Well, he is bouncing off of nothing. Sorry, go on. But, Sorry. So here, there is there is a thing in this, which is the only time where we see Chisato express like interiority or like try to argue and reason through her logic is when she's talking to Makima. Majima. Yeah, and. I'm going to say this, and I think... I, I'm not going to explore the implications of this too much, but I'm going to say one, two, two things. One is, generally, a girl's action show kind of lives off having a cool, sexy, fucked-up female protagonist or two. Antagonist or two. To make you go, whoa, this woman's also insane. And it's very weird that uh, the show doesn't have any of them. Like, at all. Like, the closest is Kusunoki, and then Kusunoki just turns out to be, she's okay, I guess. I mean, the secret police stuff... Show doesn't love that, but she did stand by Chisato, and that's what matters. Um, you're like, okay. But the other thing is, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna express this euphemistically, uh, and go for it. Go for it. I think I would be more invested in the shipping wars and maybe have more mental illness over the show if Majima was a woman. Uh, I think. Okay. Making Majima, like... making Majima a woman, I think, would have made the show a lot more interesting. It would have made the show a lot more appealing. Uh, I don't know why in this GL show the only character they give the main character, like, direct chemistry and, like, moments of, like, conflict with is the main male antagonist. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Uh, read into that what you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do like this... Majima a lot. He was fun. He's, I think he's a... Majima, Majima is uh, the only time the show does stuff. Yes. It's just so tragic that, um... I don't know. Everything. Everything's tragic. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm, I... I'm not gonna lie. I didn't realize this. I didn't realize you'd swung so hard against it. <laughs> no, I really did not like this show by the end. I just got more and more hopeless and depressed as I realized that what I wanted was nowhere near what this show was going to do yeah. at any point. And I guess, I guess, part of me in the last third of the show, part of me is like, okay, they're really speeding through this stuff now. And they're mainlining the Majiwa stuff. And I think they're probably going to have some sort of conclusion. Um, like, I think when, when Takina and Chisato stop talking to each other mm -hmm. and they start miscommunicating, I'm like, okay, they're building up awkwardly to some sort of reconciliation between those two. Mm -hmm. And that might be at least, you know, some sort of fleeting moment of serotonin for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I might appreciate some part of that. And, like, no, it's whatever. But, it's so whatever. Like, and then the stuff about, like, oh... So, I guess, as that appeared to 
not come to pass. I got more and more depressed over the final three episodes, even as Majima was pogging off. Majima was, was pulling um, off the Mika. And the way the Mika and Shinji arc resolves is is actually pretty cool, I think. Yeah, that stuff's good. I actually like Mika and Shinji. I think if I were more invested in adult gay men, I would definitely have a higher uh, value on this show. So I think our, our ratings are perfectly reflected. Yeah, basically. It's, for um, me, it was like, oh, but this, Mika's great. this show is giving me a meal that, like, this is a cool meal, but, like, I... This is, you know, I've I've gone, you know, I've gone to, you know, the Chinese restaurant. The menu, the menu said tuna surprise, and I have a pretty okay Neapolitan pizza here. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I was like, this is yeah, like, like, good. like that's all right, but the <laughs> tapping my watch. <laughs> when is the tuna surprise? Yeah. Is the chef okay? Okay, yeah. Um... I also, really briefly, can I just say, I think that I was pleasantly shocked by Mika being like, Okay, if this is weird, we can cut it, sure. but I, I, this is a feeling I have about this show. Mm-hmm. Mika is the most respectfully drawn black man I have ever seen in a car- in like a Japanese cartoon in my life. I, I think so. Like, I think... they make him look believably black without looking in any way offensive or strange, and he gets also maybe the best role in the show. Yep. So, and, fascinating. And, Just fascinating stuff happening in the production of the show. And I do actually think the fact that, like, we, in, in with both Mika and Shinji, we, like, have examples of just like people who are i guess naturalized non-japanese people who are living in japan and that there's no weirdness about that in the context of the show it's neat it is Um, cool i think that there's some there's really something to some of the production here yeah where i would love to see them try again frankly yeah like if you got the same team together and said back to square one give it another shot i think they would get closer to something interesting yeah because there's enough promise in parts of this show to leave me like disappointed frankly yeah i think that's you know? it like I, I think it's one of those things like if it had if it had kind of started off with like the slice of lifey stuff and i'd be like oh, this is fine oh there's some gun stuff towards the end it's just like there's just all these parts of it that are quite neat and they're stuck together so oddly that like i i don't know and then and occasionally just like it's it it kind of has, you know, the things like, it's just like little bits that are just always slightly smarter than you expect. Like, again, the whole resolution to the Mika and Shinji arc being A, surprisingly brutal, and the bit where, like, Mika's like, Shisato does not need to know about half the things that went on between me and my ex-husband, so I'm gonna, like, purposely remove this so she never has to consider that. It's like, that's a really interesting reflection on his perception of fatherhood and how it relates to his yeah. kids. And you might notice in this entire conversation, we haven't mentioned Mizuki and Walnut once, because why are they in the show? They're in the show because there's a funny drunk girl and a funny tiny girl, and they talk a lot they, sometimes. They talk a lot. Uh, they're they're the comic relief. It's fine. They're yeah. they're fine. I actually like them because they're funny. I, they, okay, um, they're funny. But they don't do anything. So for this for our brief discussion, <laughs> they will not be coming up. But I mean, again, I guess what I mean in terms of, like that example witness is like okay, so I don't love how Mizuki's handled. Like, are we still doing hag jokes in 2022? Especially Mizuki is yeah, like, because it's hot. She's so hot. She's so hot. That's it's, that's the extent of my thoughts. It's insane. Like, and but like, and then and then it's the whole thing. Like in the eye catches, we see Takino, Takina, Chisato, and Walnut, and never yeah. Mizuki. And it's like a bunch yeah, which that are is like, weird, actually. there's like the one where like Walnut's lying on the floor with having a picture taken of her. I was like, oh my god, okay. The second of this is Mizuki. This show at least understands. And then it's fucking that, Chisato. I remember being disappointed specifically in that exact eye catch. It's just like, why? The show's just like... So strange. I And why have you put so much attention on these quite cool male characters? Like, I, I don't know. Like, the show is like too weird to feel like it's designed by committee. 
but like even yeah though... no i think i think um i think um not to go out two or three but i feel like mr shingo adachi is uh just simply too used to giving men agency in the uh, grand universe of sword art online <laughs> that maybe this is his like first step in adjusting himself to something different than that which i which i understand so, so i have some sympathy towards this so i i guess i guess the question i do want to go on to here is i mean i, th- mm-hmm. I think we've kind of laid out everything i said on the show Honestly, uh, I suppose what is I guess it's kind of interesting is analyzing the slice of life episodes as slice of life episodes. I, I my actual favorite one of those, and I think the one that actually made me think maybe they will tie the knot here is um the one with the poop cake. And that, the poop cake was really cute. That was a great bit. That episode worked for me because it was the only time they actually managed to combine the girls with guns bits and the slice of life bit. The bit where they like they go and like hold up the triads and just extort them. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's yeah. a really funny gag. I'm like, oh, this actually kind of this eight. Okay, that basically felt like what if Black Lagoon was them running a cafe, and like that's good. Which is kind of what I wanted. To, what I, what wanted I thought show. I was getting into. Yeah, I, my 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 expectations for the show were baseline Black Lagoon, Black Lagoon, but they're running a cafe, and then the upper ceiling for my expectations were, um, maybe not to go back to psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Maybe the lesbians will have sex on the cam- on screen. Oh. <laughs> okay okay I, not I, to men- not to mention psychopaths again uh, i guess I, and i think i think this goes into my next thing in terms of um the glness of the show and again yeah let's let's talk let's let's sort of put a pin on that i guess i so let's tie this up i do think it is weird that again you have a canon gay male couple and then uh the the actual main duo like okay, so here's the thing. I I I've sort of come like I I think the phrase Yuri bait is bullshit. Yuri, the only actual thing that's Yuri bait is like in Wonder Egg. Like I would say that the phrase Yuri bait is maybe not bullshit, but it's not derogatory. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that I, I I like using it very flippantly yeah. uh, and non-insultingly to describe things where the canon presence of lesbian activity is something that is more up to debate for the viewer than anything else. Yeah, I, I prefer... Like... And I think that that's unhelpful, given yeah. how everyone else seems to use it, but that's how it sort of means in my head. But I, I, I accept and I hear your reading, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think you're wrong. Like, I, I used to be of the same opinion, but, like, I don't know. It's just, like, it's people use it in such, like, unhelpful ways and ways where, like, just, you know, they refuse to understand subtext or, you know, what a show is actually going for beneath the surface. Um, and like I don't think Lacrosse Call is I mean I think it leans into it it's just like it is strange that you have a outright canon gay relationship in the show and then Chisato and Takana just don't really I guess they have the Hawaiian marriage bands they have the Hawaiian marriage bands which are like fine I guess they also like like I said the peak romance scene was listening to her no heartbeat that that shit got me like pretty that I that it, it piqued my interest my interest peaked at that moment it was uh it was quite good yeah like that's, that's just and then could could be good but yeah it yeah. it is interesting how this took over so much and so intensely so quickly in a way that you know, you know like revstar is the last time this has happened uh, i guess well revstar is the last time this has happened with an outright anime uh i guess umamusume Umamusume's game caused that, but the actual Umamusume anime didn't really. Um, and I was kind of wondering, like, did it partially appeal to people because it is such an er relationship that you can er, you know, you are hyphen. Oh right, like 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 yeah. I I mean, I failed to see it as that as well, frankly. Oh oh gosh, okay. 
like i like for me i think that this falls short of sealing the deal meaningfully in any reading of yuri Bates as we know it today like Mm. fuck jesus christ like i i i I, I can agree that I think I'm so sad I can't put my words into thoughts. Um, I, I yeah, like this this is one of the things. It's just like it, it's strange in that respect that like like I, I can see like why the archetypes make sense and why it inspired so much fan art of the way it did. And you know that fan art I originally bought into I was like yeah you know what this is like the first eye catch the first eye catch writes such a huge check. Oh yes, I agree. I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, oh my god, what's gonna happen? The space between first eye catch and episode five heartbeat scene was that was some pretty exciting new seasonal anime. Yeah, I was I was really <laughs> holding on to it. It probably didn't help that in the span of the chorus Ray Carol came out, I watched the second half of Mad Lax and watched all of Noir, both of which yeah, shows yep, that do yep, this yep, yep. shit way way more hardcore. <laughs> um, and that's the like I. I don't know, it's just like, I, I suppose, I, I'm fine with subtext. I, I I honestly have gone to the point where, like, I I don't necessarily prefer subtext, but I think there is there is a real kind of class to artfully done subtext where it's not like wink-wonk, it's just like, you don't need to be told what this is about. Oh, hugely, I agree with that. I think that this show, from after episode 5, falls so far short of subtext that it made me mad. That's... I don't think I don't think of myself as a particularly uncreative or unimaginative person. Fucking, oh god! The entire finale arc—they're just arguing like it's it's a buddy cop series, and they strip most of the homoeroticism out of the buddy cop yeah. concept. Yeah, it's 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 rife with that. Like historically, going back to eighties American mm. films. You can't escape that shit. Talk to any fucking homosexual in North America over the age of 35 about Top Gun for five minutes. <laughs> Give it a shot. Like, but, but this could have been... I don't know. This probably couldn't have been. But, like, it's it's no, so... Here's the thing, though. I suppose they missed the one other character who Chisada does have tension with, who is Fuki. And every... Okay. Yeah. Hey, fucking the bit while Fuki is straight is... That is criminal. How how did they make the girl who looked like that, who has the little also puppy butch kohai, and then be like, Can she's... you tell me about what that was? Because I'm not sure if I actually caught that. Was it after my zoning out part of the show? Oh, okay. So there's a bit, and I think it's fairly odd. It's when she visits Lika Reko on screen for the first time. And right. She's oh, like, so like episode four or something? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. Wah. Um, and then like Sakura's like, Oh, I want the dango, I want the dango. And Fig's like, No, no, we have to leave. And it's, and then there's basically a bit where um Fuki's like man Sakura's like Fuki man you're so awkward around Mika like what's the deal there like she's like shut up and like starts blushing and then there's a later point when she comes back to the cafe and Mika talks to her and she starts blushing so Mika's a hot guy Mika's like here's the thing like I'm I am I understand being into Mika but like the fucked upness that they made the angry butch girl be straight and then ta 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 Ranka, this is classic bisexual erasure. It's what I'm hearing from you right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. sorry. That was sorry. No, it's, I, no, it's true. I'm sorry. I erase myself. <laughs> I'm not making bad faith jokes during no, the liquor recoil discussion. It's fine. I erase myself regularly. Um, but like beast. <laughs> but like, 
I guess, and there's also just that, that bit, like, the bit, I suppose, like, the actual buddy cop moment is the bit at the end when they're in Inkaboku, and, like, they're arguing while under the desk together, and, like, it's, like, re- like they're doing the buddy cop thing of, oh, they're in a really tight space rubbing up against each other while glaring at each other, and then Fuki's chunk goes, you two, you two need to fucking knock off the flirting in public, and you're like, Fuki gets it. Fuki, I don't think uh, Sakura gets Fuki it. Fuki gets it more than the writer of the show. Fuki's like, yeah, I just... Oh, it's so... It's just weird. It's just such a, a weird thing. And it's just... And I think what, I guess, drives me insane is... Uh, so like I, say, I can understand why it caught on, because it looks good. It looks good, it feels good, it has like an obvious vibe, an obvious draw to it. People who I know who just don't pay much attention to GL are like, oh, this show's good. It seems like it's more than shipbait, and I wanted to fucking choke them on, like, ten different levels. Oh, um, man. But it's just like, I I can see why it filled a void, because most of the other shows that are like this require a certain... You have to have a certain flavour appreciation. Like, Birdie Wing is amazing, but I can get why Birdie Wing didn't catch on. To a degree. Man, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I refuse to become this jaded of a person. I, but uh, yeah, no, I... I I'm not calling you jaded. I'm just like, no, I can't. I can't look into the abyss. I can't. I can't do that. I cannot. I cannot do that. But that's the thing. At the end of this discussion, there, right. the timeline does split in two different directions, and I think this will this yeah. will take us on to our next topic. Uh, was was this gun thing gun? No. Sure. Sure. Was this fun? The, the, uh, you fun? know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? I think that some of the gun action was pretty good. Pretty I cool. think the way they animate Shisato dodging bullets is pretty fucking sick every time. Um, I hate that they invented non-lethal rounds that do lethal round stuff, so it's just, like, completely yeah. a non-issue for her to use a gun normally, and then it's non-lethal. That was a cop-out and stupid. <laughs> it's five years into the future, they should have invented some more tech for her. Yeah. Why doesn't she have, like, a, a like a, a, a taser? A laser taser? That would have been a cool restriction. Yeah. The gun stuff was fairly gun, sure. Yeah. There were also 10,000 of them, so it was yeah. pretty gun. But it wasn't girls, it wasn't this girls with gun thing was girls with gun. It was just this gun thing. It really wasn't no. And was this fun thing fun? For me, no. I yeah. I didn't. I by the end, I was so frustrated that I did not enjoy my time with the show. I wish I had not watched it. I wish I had. Wow. I wish I had had a debilitating injury at episode five and never got back to it. Uh, I I didn't dislike it this much, but I I do think you could easily do much better, uh, and get uh, in my opinion have a an experience that either delivers on you know your plain Jane jury material more or go for a weirder wilder conspiracy thriller gun show and i think either direction will probably serve you better but at the same time so many people like the show so so maybe you should check it out and again this is this is where we look towards two futures one we have have the world i'm not sure you see this have, have you seen um how Rico Rico episode 16 was trending this week what 16 uh, because uh in Japan, a lot of Japanese fandom are making up fake episodes now the show is over and drawing fan art of non-existent oh episodes. Oh my god. They're going full Sherlock Cope in Japan. Yeah. Over Likoreko. Over Likoreko. That's okay, that's legendary. I think that this is I think that this show is funny for having caused the Sherlock of Yuri to occur in Japan. That's incredible, actually. But on the other hand, I will say Turns out that if you were really, really sick of seeing Mikareko, you might not have to see it that much longer 
because the new anime season has started, and um, I haven't heard of Leaky Rekka. Have you heard of a show called G-Witch? Have you heard of uh, Gundam, The Witch of Mercury? I've been hearing about a lot about The Witch <laughs> of Mercury. I've been hearing that she's a witch and that she's a Gundam. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what we're going to be watching in the new upcoming season. Let's! Um, okay. Um, I'm counting, uh, 11 shows, personally, including Precure Continuing, so 10 new shows. Uh, 9, actually, because one of them is Fudo Tante, which is from last season, which is still just about finishing, and I haven't gotten there. Oh, uh, I haven't finished it. It's cool. I saw it's got um, Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, no, this, this season, um... We're not. There's only there's only two shows going to highlight everything else. We're just going to kind of rush through because this is going on long enough anyway, yep. and there's only like one episode's out. Um, I think if we talk, I think we're also seeing Girls with Guns, Akiba Made Wars. Akiba Made Wars will be a Girls with Guns show. I'll be watching it. We'll talk about that. Talk about that. Pretty um, good. If you're curious about Girls with Guns, go check out Akiba Made War. Um, uh, has women with guns actually. This is the cool bit. Women um, with yeah, grown ass thirty five year olds <laughs> with guns and asymmetrical haircuts. Oh wow. Um, um, if you want to talk about Kirara Properties, whoa! that shit that our fucking show is supposed to be about, Kirara Properties. Well, one Kirara Property and one thing that's close enough that we're going to cover it anyway. <laughs> one thing that I genuinely thought was a Kirara until I realized it didn't have a manga. Um, the Kirara Show, this season, will be Bochi the Rock. Bochi the Rock. Uh, two episodes this out. Check this one out. I... Again, yeah. we, we just talked about how we can be disappointed by hype, but oh man, this show... Here is my reductive pitch. Kaon meets Watamote. Uh, oh, okay. I, that's not wrong. Um, it's not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, it is probably... Uh, it looks like it's going to be a bit more uh, interesting than that might initially appear, but if any of those... If you watched either of those shows and liked them or posted about them in any, in any capacity in the past two years, you owe it yourself to check this out. Um, I'm going to be really unhelpful and say it's like Sunny Boy meets Carol and Tuesday. Two shows that wow. no one watched. Uh, it's, no, it's, it's pretty neat. I think... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my chips down now, and I'm gonna get fucked over in ten weeks. This Ronka's quote: Shinichiro Watanabe's reminiscent of Shinichiro Watanabe's worst effort. I I mean, it, no. Here's the thing, though. It, it kind of feels like a Shinichiro Watanabe. This this feels like a new frontier for Kirara that we haven't seen before. And while I don't know if it's going to catch on as much as Euro Camp, it probably won't, because no justice in the world. Uh, this this has serious potential, and I think really could be cutting like doing the thing that has pushed the, the slice the kirara adaptation genre specifically forward the most i think maybe the last decade but we'll see i had not honestly thought about it that seriously but i think you're right that's a really cool way to look at it yeah this is pushing the envelope for kirara properties and it's making me curious about the manga in a huge way mm. um, um which i guess i we always say but always say. this time for realsies because <laughs> i'll have a lot of time watching the show in between weeks so then... Now, in terms of something that I think will blow up because it will be riding the Eurocamp wave, mm. we have DIY. We have DIY. Do it, USRFU. Do it, USRFU. Do it, USRFU. I expect this show to get more and more hype on Twitter. Okay. Um, as people continue to watch it and go, holy cow, it's so funny. It's good. Um, uh, okay, I'm, again... I'm not going to go to much depth because only two episodes are out. We're going to be covering it again in, in 10 weeks' time. Um, but you know what? You know how people have been posting about uh, Chainsaw Man this this season and pointing out yeah, how references? Um, Kirara shows put in that kind of mind space, or not Kirara, Slice Slice shows, where I go, holy shit, they just referenced Grout. Shout out to Grout. Um, yeah, Grout was pretty popular. Grout was fucking... I, I've never seen an anime with Grout in it before that talks about Grout. And like, as someone who's applied Grout before, I felt really seen by that. 
So if you like Grout, um, you really need to owe it to yourself to ride the do-it-yourself train. And if you don't know what Grout is, you might find out about it. That's true. That's true. Um, if you are unemployed, you have to watch DIY right now. <laughs> that you know, this is my credo. I'm just putting. I'm laying down the law right now. So the two shows we'll be covering in depth at the end of the, uh, this current season mm-hmm. will be uh, Bochy the Rock and DIY. Yep. What else are we going to be watching in the next uh, couple of months? Uh, let's let's do lightning round. Uh, my must has. Let's do some uh, big obvious ones. Okay. Big obvious ones. We're Chai, watching Chai, Gundam. Gundam. Folks. Watching Gundam. Watching. Chain. That'll be lasting a whole year. It's forty nine episodes. Is it? Oh, not even taking a break in the middle. Um, not sure. Wow, I've been, okay. I keep hearing the words of 49 going around Very a lot. So yeah, interesting. Um, a long-ass MF-er. It'd be quite a long time since I've seen a full 50 uh, that's not like an actual kid's kid show. Right? Um, speaking of stuff that's pretty legendarily popular and getting a two-double core, it's uh, Irisei Yatsura 2022. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of old properties getting long shows. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty high, high effort first episode. I, I will say. Yeah, nice uh, I was uh, cool. I'm learning a lot about the world of Urusei Yatsura rapidly, and I get to hear Hiroshi Kamiya tell me about it, so it's uh, fun for me. Um, also, Chainsaw Man is the other huge Also, thing. Chainsaw Man, not sure if you guys have heard of this one. It's it's the um, sequel to Fire Punch, I think? Yeah, the direct sequel to Fire Punch, uh, so if you haven't seen Fire Punch, go read that right now. Yeah. Um, no trigger or content warnings on Fire Punch, <laughs> it's safe for everyone of all ages. <laughs> I, I, and yeah. that's and that's it for that joke. Um, bleach. I yes, you're really a bleach person. Oh right, you? yeah. You're like. Pardon. You're not really a bleach person, are you? I'm not like no no. If we're talking about the classic big three, I'm definitely on the One Piece side of that. Um, I have respect for Bleach, and I uh, really enjoyed my time with Yoroichi and Soifeng. <laughs> but besides that, I have no real knowledge of Bleach in depth. Very fun. It was um. I'll tell you this much. At my first kitchen job, it was the show that I watched the most of uh, on an iPad in the kitchen while prepping nachos. Because <laughs> the head chef was really into Bleach, and we would just we would just put on Netflix Bleach, and we would watch a lot of that. And and also Hunter Hunter twenty eleven. I watched Ooh. the first fifty episodes of Hunter Hunter, uh, in, in the in that kitchen. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm uh, I, I've heard about Bleach. Heard about Bleach. Yeah, pretty fun. Pretty fun pretty, show, pretty... largely, largely fun show. <laughs> Um, I, I do think this new one's going to be a, a chance, I think, Bleach to make good in its promise, is my hopes. But we'll cool. see. Okay. Um, Exciting. Blue Lock is uh, the sports uh, yes. show in the season. Uh, this show has, a uh, first episode has Hiroshi Kamiya as a creepy Ooh. tall goblin man who, when he doesn't like people, tells them in, in English to lock off. That's um, <laughs> it's very incredible. normal and cool. And he does this like little like like very effete shoo shoo motion with his hands. That's it's wonderful. Um, that sounds that sounds strong. Yeah. What's the sport in Blue Lock? What's the sport? Uh, Danganronpa football. Oh okay. Uh, football like soccer or football like rugby? Football like soccer, like soccer. Just checking. Fuck. Sorry. Okay. Um, then... not bullying. Just checking. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's go for some obvious ones here. Um, Pop Team Epic Season 2. Yo. I will say, as of Episode 3 of this season, I am fucking blown away with what they're getting away with. Oh. So, if you were middling on the first season or you enjoyed it, you gotta watch this shit now. Uh, I I can't say anything else, but I'm really, really impressed with what they're pulling off in Season 2, so go check that shit out. Uh... I, I don't know if it's super obvious. Um, my master has no tail. 
Oh, I actually downloaded the first episode of that. I haven't seen it yet. What's the scoop? Oh, it's interesting. Uh, I think it has a lot of charm. Something about it is slightly missing to me, but the most recent episode was the best yet. Okay. So I think it's gonna... I, I think it's just one of those cases of um, being given, I'd say, quite a, a... Not a bad, but Walkman-like kind of adaptation. Um, but the a lot of what's in there is quite good. The main problem we have to deal with is um, comedy Rakugo isn't funny. Uh, so the show has a pretty ah, big uphill battle. Uh, but... There, there's a lot of strong bits there. I, I think I think it could go into something quite good. Uh, I think it's just there is just three sort of shows that kind of fill its slot that are doing uh, super big numbers and super huge. Uh, I have a couple other shows. I'm not sure if there's any more obvious ones. Um, well, here's the other obvious yeah. one. Uh, season two of Spy X Family is now airing. Oh, cool. Um, I'm watching that because it's enjoyable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. I didn't hate the first... Okay, here... Hey, do you want to hear a little secret? Yeah. Spy X Family, not so bad without all the homos on uh, Twitter talking about it all the fucking time. Fair. As the end... Like, Spy X Family is so much more fun when it is a good comedy show starring a five-year-old child who is funny and not the anime of the season. That's fair. Um, that's fair. That's a very different way to watch Spy X Family. And season two, for my money, has been more enjoyable than season one by a good margin so far. Fair enough. I would say they finally solidified Anya as the main character, and uh, it's going well. She looks great. She's funny. <laughs> the voice acting on her is good, and that's it. Fair. Um. Then I guess if we're talking about things that feel like actually no, actually, despite the fact it doesn't feel like a show from two thousand eight. Um, I'm watching Shinobi no Itoki. Uh, okay. Which is a shout to uh, Piss and Piss only. I think Piss is the only person who listens to the podcast who'd be interested in a show like this. It's a very charming kind of 2008 light novel-y throwback thing about a boy who finds out that his mother is the head of a ninja clan and is sort of thrown into ninja political wars. Uh, it's quite tongue-in-cheek. It's quite good so far. Uh, it has like... It, it, it's very sold that ninjas are cool, but like has a lot of like cool little world-building stuff. Like, uh, do you know that uh, in modern Japan, ninjas actually mostly operate in motorway service stations because those are like <laughs> big, um, you know, they're like the big uh, crossroads of commerce and information traveling through them. It's just cool. a show full okay. of like moments like that, and also they like have like I think they say ninja about three times every minute, so it's pretty good. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Okay. Oh, uh, nice. Then, I guess the only real other things, um, there's a couple of things that haven't aired yet I've been watching, like, um, the, the four girls with their respective secrets, uh, Fonin no Shoujo no Sorezoe no Uso, or something like that. Okay, okay. Uh, which seems kind of neat, don't know anything about it, seems alright. Um, Eternal Boys, which is going to be like a, uh, I think it's going to be the new, ba um, Reman's Club, maybe, in that it's about middle-aged men becoming idols. Not middle-aged, but like 30s men becoming Fine. idols. Um, and then, um, show for me and the only, uh, Kōkyū no Karasu, uh, the Court of the Raven, which is a Chinese political drama with a bit of Hellgirl to it. Very nice. Okay, fun. So, I actually stuff? have two shows that you're not watching. Ooh, go on. Um, well, the first one is actually one that has I has slipped my mind because it is a mid-airing like ONA weirdo. Oh yeah, it's 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 twelve thirteen still, but they started at mid um, season, so it's actually at episode six right now, and I haven't seen any of it yet. But it's the sequel to Tatami Galaxy. Oh yes, yes, no, I Yokokan, need to. Yokokan uh, Time Machine Blues. Yes, time traveling blues. Yeah. 
So I'm going to start downloading and watching that because I did not realize that it was airing because subs, please, uh, did not list it, which is uh, baffling. I guess it's not actually an airing show. I heard it's uh, an A, so yeah, It's sure. a really weird... It's like a Netflix thing where I think they chopped up a movie in two episodes sort of thing. Yeah, that's weird. Anyways, there's six episodes up on some websites I use, so um, I guess I'll be checking that out. I think it's actually And over. this is a fucking weird one. Um... Ranka, you heard about Human Bug Daigaku? I I am curious about this one. This one has like a really cool premise, but I don't like how the DLE flash shows look. Okay, so you don't like watching Family Guy? It looks it does it's not even animated as Family Guy. <laughs> this is the thing, it is like it is like what if someone Oh man, I, I Okay, I will say I'm two episodes in. I cannot really promise that I'll keep on it, but it is such a refreshingly different thing for me to be looking at right now. It does seem good. Especially it, it, in this season, which is exceptionally high quality around the board. Like, I, all, everything we've everything we've mentioned um, is a beautiful fucking show in its own right. Yeah. With maybe the exception of how much you like the 3D in Chainsaw Man, which I think is fine. <laughs> but, like... Um, so slotting human bug daigaku which is um just loosely it is a gag comedy about the world's luckiest unlucky man who cannot die or be killed um it, it looks like if um they made family guy in go animate <laughs> yeah um and just just having something like that in the rotation is so refreshing it's like a real it's a real little lemon sorbet between the two heavy heavy plates of lasagna at the the italian banquet hall do you tell if that's good because um, that's not speaking from experience <laughs> that like i thought the premise sounded neat and i was just like and i have like some of the shows that like studios done but like when they're just like three minute gag shows that's one thing it's like 24 minutes. oh what you don't like watching 24 minutes of flash animation <laughs> i don't know i i'll see but if, if it like holds up do let me know because like i am curious about it like i'll let you know if it holds up yeah fair, fair, fair cool. enough. yeah i'll just i'll just say not really holding high hopes for it but it's very funny for now so whatever fair. um okay well that, i think that's every single show we're gonna be watching collectively yeah. that's like 15 things good press Woo. Woo. Uh, I also will say, um, Fudo Tante, uh, I will be finishing that soon because I think it's just ending, like, this week or next week. Oh, okay. Um, if you've watched Kamen Rider W and you go into this show without knowing anything, you'll be pretty shocked about how, uh, insanely sexual the new character is. Yeah. And how just, just amped up all of the anime stuff compared to the more sedate young boys, uh, live action programming is. But other than that, I'm enjoying it a fair bit. It's, um weird but cool i've yeah i've i've a few episodes in i've been enjoying it i've been watching a friend who has not seen any common writer in his entire life and he's also having a good time so uh what's up i'm just happy to see the boys again i just that's my um, that's my main thought like anytime like that's my that like you know yeah i i, see I honestly it, I don't know what you would get out of this if you had not enjoyed w already once so <laughs> yeah so I, it's but i i'm liking it as a fan of uh common writer w it's good for me so that's about that on that um yeah good work that's a bajillion shows, a bajillion shows. let's take another break and of course by take another break i mean this is gonna be part one of our two-part season finale for aftf season two thank you so much for listening um i hope you enjoyed us talking about these seasonals catching up and also previewing what we're gonna be talking about soon um, the second part will come out, um, I'm gonna go for Monday, I'm gonna shoot for Monday, so look out for that. That will contain all of our rankings, and our overall thoughts on this batch of 12 shows that we just watched. So thank you so much for listening as always. 
and the vocal credits, the audio credits, pardon me, are a little different from usual because, you know, it's a season, so we can kind of pick whatever we want. So I chose to highlight a couple shows. In the interstitial, you heard the OP for Akiba Made War. The song is called Daikaiten, Made Daikaiten, and it's credited simply to the Ton Tokoton staff, which I don't really think is an actual artist, but it's, it's what it is, so maybe they'll say who wrote the song later. It's a fun one. Thought you would like it. Uh, we're currently enjoying the uh, full version of the OP to Yure Deko, uh, one of my favorite little Japanese pop songs I've heard in honestly quite a minute. The song is called One Septillion Love. Um, I hope I counted the, the zeros right. There's literally there's that many zeros. Um, it's very funny. The song is credited to Clambon and Dede Mouse. And yeah, huge fan. Good song. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, in about a couple days, you'll be able to hear our thoughts on the 12 episodes and our full ranking, which is almost another two hours. We, we ran for a hell of a time. So yeah, I thought I'd cut it short here, give you guys a little breathing room. Uh, enjoy the rest of the OP, I'm gonna let it play out, and yeah, have a great weekend. Y'all take care.